Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, folks around the world, welcome back to Hot Takes Only. This is episode 52. There are a lot of places, Willie, that we could start tonight. A lot of different storylines. Yeah. We're going to focus on baseball because it is the end of September. The end of September means October baseball is literally right around the corner. I mean, Saturday is the first day of October. We've got a couple games left in the regular season, and we could start anywhere. Willie, where do you where do you want to start? Of all the headlines that you and I kind of discussed, where mm -hmm. do we want to start first? Because I could pick and choose, and we could go any number of ways. And this episode could be anywhere between thirty minutes long and three hours and thirty minutes long. It's <laughs> not going to be three hours and thirty minutes long. I promise you that. Although it, we've got a lot to talk about. Yeah, um, I mean, there's a lot of stories, but um, I think for me, the where I'd I'd really like to start is kind of talk about the the playoff picture and some teams to kind of watch out for. Because um, we, we have we will talk more about the NL East because that's probably the biggest story. But I do want to selfishly start with the Guardians. Hell yeah. I think Love it. I think they're the best story. There's a couple. I think the American League is fascinating. I think there's a lot of really fascinating teams. And throughout the episode, I'd love to talk about why I think Toronto and Seattle could be really good too. But... Cleveland's the hottest team in the MLB. They're on an absolute tear over the last month. I mean, they've won something like 21 out of the last 24 or something about that. Just took two out of three from the race. Um, great series. Two really good come-from-behind wins. Uh, the win tonight, just another example of a gritty team. And this team, um, the, the chemistry is really good. Um Kind of like Seattle, they have a great bullpen, and they're really good in close games. You know, the, there's some crazy stats out there about how good their the record is when the game is, like, tied going into the seventh inning. So you could argue that that's not sustainable. But, but um, you know, this team, um, there's just, between Oscar Gonzalez and Jimenez and Quan, like, there's just a lot of really exciting things, and the offense has kind of come alive a little bit. So, you know, I, I would I would not want to play Cleveland. And while there's certainly some limitations, I think there's definitely an argument that they're the biggest threat to the Astros. And uh, last thing I'll say, that the blueprint, I, I mentioned this before, but really the blueprint uh, for this is, is the 2019 Nationals, who... Had, had the best record in the MLB the second half of that season. We were dreadful the first half of the season. And Cleveland, uh, a couple months ago, had a really good division race. And all of a sudden, it feels like they beat Minnesota and Chicago every game. And they're just really hot. So uh, if you believe in the that form really matters coming into the playoffs, I, I, they're, they're definitely a team to watch. I mean, for it, sure. form matters for sure. Look at 2019, which is the last full season in, outside of, of last, literally last year, 2021 with the Atlanta Braves. Form matters going into the postseason. If you're hot at the right time, it doesn't matter who you play. If, if you are hot and you are playing well, which the Guardians obviously are, then you like your chances against really anybody. Before we go any further, Willie, on the Guardians, before I, I, I talk about this any further, 
I want to I want to mention someone who is incredibly negative about the direction of the Cleveland Guardians as a franchise uh, following the trade of Francisco yeah. Lindor to the New York Mets. Yeah. And that someone is the other person on this call. Willie, you were the most pessimistic person I've ever met in my life after the after the Lindor trade. And you had every right to be pessimistic, too. And when you have a a talent like Lindor and you know that you as a franchise are not going to be able to pay him because of the, the limitations with ownership and the small market and, and every other mitigating factor that goes into Cleveland ultimately trading Francisco Lindor. You turn around. I, I can't remember which episode it was, but you turn around and told me that this is going to be really bad for Cleveland for a long, long time. I can say with a 100% guarantee you and I did not give the Cleveland Guardians a chance going to this season to win the division. Yeah. I I wrote them off. You wrote them off. I'm pretty I sure did. every baseball analyst wrote off the Guardians, and here they are, champions of the Central in the American yeah. League, while the Astros, no, sorry, not the Astros, the White Sox are out of the playoffs, the Twins yeah. out of the playoffs, and probably going to lose yeah. Carlos Correa as well. If, if the Twins are, have they been confirmed to be out? I mean, they, they lost Buxton for the year, so that's basically... I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're, I'm not, I'm actually not completely sure, but I mean, Pretty. It, it really looks like the 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 picture solidified unless somehow Baltimore. Baltimore, yeah. I think that could somehow. Uh, no, they have been mathematically eliminated. Okay, so yeah, it's but there are now four teams, three teams in the American League for two spots. We'll get into the rest of the picture, but I want to go back and talk about the Guardians, Willie. I mean, this yeah. this is they're nine and one in their last ten. I think it was like they're seventeen mm-hmm. seventeen and three in their last twenty starting yep. this week before the series where they beat the Tampa Bay Rays who had Tyler Glass now coming back. They had an expected win win loss. Yeah, yeah coming back. Well, yeah. Glass yeah. not pitched well. Glass not pitched well and and Cleveland still beat him. They have an expected win loss. This is just on on MLB.com's website just based off of their their run differential. They have an expected win loss of 85 and 71. They are 88 and 68 as it stands tonight. Yeah. We could go on and on and talk about all of the analytics that support Cleveland's just dominance of the Central, especially in the second half of the season. But really, the thing that it comes down to is they have a very Terry Francona team. Mm -hmm. They do every bit of the game, every phase of the game, they do well. Every little bit you need to win championships, they do well. They play solid defense. They have outstanding pitching, an outstanding bullpen, and... There's a a certain form, just a feeling, a vibe that goes into that club right now. There's a vibe coming out of Cleveland, which if you're a team like the Astros or like the Yankees that have been good all year, but at this point in the season, you're not playing as many high-stress ball games. And yes, we'll talk about Aaron Judge. We'll talk about the Yankees in a little bit. But if I was a betting man, and Cleveland mm-hmm. goes into a series against whoever it may be. I think at this point it's probably going to be who would it be? Tampa Bay. Uh, it's probably right now. Seattle, Seattle yeah. or Tampa Bay. Uh, I wouldn't want to play I, Cleveland. I, 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 yeah, I, 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 you know, they're both obviously they're both really good teams. We can we can talk about them. Uh, I think the thing, a couple things about Cleveland. Number one, I think you made a great point. It's been well documented. Very Terry Francona team. Very good defense. The base running has been well documented. I think they're second in stolen bases. 
they have incredible stats about how well they do first third. Um, and, you know, they don't hit for power, which uh, um, Jim B- uh, Bowden made a, a lot of headlines because, he, you know, he, he wrote an article, which I read, which was good, about the biggest concerns for all of the playoff teams. And he said the biggest one was that Cleveland doesn't hit home runs because they're 29th in home runs. But they it's the classic. They just they hit for contact. They don't strike out a lot, and they have a deep lineup. And the second point I want to make is that, you know, we we – um, I was definitely very down on the um, Francisco Lindor situation, and obviously, when you sell, when you trade a player in his prime who's as good as Lindor or was, really, I mean that's always sad. Um, the good news is that Cleveland did hit on the trade a little bit because they got Jimenez in the trade, who's been one of the better players, who was the top prospect for the Mets at one point, which is. Why we we don't we tend to not talk about prospects much, but they're important. And Ahmed Rosario has been pretty good for the team as well. And then the other thing is Cleveland's really shown that they you know somehow continue to get these uh, whether they're big time prospects or whether they they just have an eye for underrated talent. But they just called up Will Brennan and Gabriel Arias, two big prospects. Oscar Gonzalez, who hits cleanup, was unheralded uh, was a, a very underrated prospect. I mean, he wasn't really a prospect at all. And so when you have a, a good an eye for talent, um, that, that'll, that'll do it. And, um, you know, the only issue is that, you know, it's a sustainable model for success, but ultimately, you know, you need a little bit of, I'd say more star power if you really, really want to want to contend. But, you know, I'm, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, what, what's your honest forecast well, for how well, well they, not they could do, but will do? It's like what you and I said. At the start of the year, we both wrote off the Guardians. You were negative about them. And I think with with some pretty good reason. I mean, if, if the Braves traded, say, I mean, if they traded like uh, Austin Riley or uh, like, I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't say Acuna, but yeah, like a Michael Harris. If they traded a player with... Yeah, if they traded a big name player, which also shout out to Michael Harris and Vaughn uh-huh. Grissom, the uh, Troublemakers, rocking the Troublemakers yeah, T-shirt from yeah. Rotoware. Great shirts, great team. Go Braves! We'll talk about them in a little bit. Uh, it, it it'd be like doing that, and so rightly so, I would be disappointed in the direction of the team because it's you have one of your young players, and the the holdup is purely financial. Yeah, and you're banking on prospects basically turning out the way you want them to. And that's yep. never a guarantee at any level of the major leagues. I mean, how many how many one one picks have turned out to be exactly what we thought they were going to be? I think Bryce Harper, Correa, when he's healthy, yep. but he hasn't really. Strasburg. Yeah, exactly. Strasburg when he's healthy, it it it's so hard to gauge whether or not a a, a top prospect is ever going to be what we think they're going to be whether they're going to reach that that level that has been imposed on them right or wrong by by talking heads and baseball media analysts scouts etc so mm-hmm. but back to back to i guess my if i were to give you my honest forecast willie i yeah. think a run at the championship series is is not out of the question by any means the championship series though is when your stars take over and yeah. with the guardians i think they're the only holdover from 
God, who I, I want to say the only holdover from the last the the World Series team in 2016. Uh, it, Bieber wasn't even on that team, was he? I don't think Bieber was on that team. If he was, he, he was maybe he was a, he, he was a rookie or he was very very young. I, I think he was. I could be wrong. Though. So yeah, yeah so so maybe Bieber was the only holdover. But still, that amount yeah. of turnover on a team and yet they still are able to put together a division winning playoff team is astounding. And it's it's a, a, a testament to Terry Francona's management and the players for going out and producing and the front office for putting together a team with with let's be honest very limited resources. And look, it's just you have to give credit where it's due, and a lot of credit is due to the Cleveland Guardians. Yeah, no, no, for sure. I think, I think you're absolutely right. Um, I think the stars, when you get to that place in the playoffs, um, the stars show up. You got a little pop, which is why maybe Toronto is um, a big threat potentially. You could argue to. Um, the Astros also will likely get him in a short series, assuming they hold on to the four seed. But with the way Stefan's pitching at the back of the bullpen, like it's just when the pressure amps up, Cleveland and Seattle are two teams like you do not want to be in the close game with. Yeah, you, you absolutely do not want to be. You you, it's kind of like why Tampa is so scary. Like same thing. Like you want to win the game in the first five six innings against these teams, yeah. which is hard against Cleveland, too, when you can throw out, you know, Bieber and McKinsey and Quantrill and Karinczak, but, you know, all these guys. Um, and last thing Owen, I want to say is that um, if you remember the the run that they won out in 2016, which was, was great to watch as a fan, um... The reason that I just have skepticism, Owen, and this is just the thing as a hope. Let's just talk about hope for a second. Um, the reason that I just have little hope, and it makes me kind of sad about a truly deep postseason run, is because I think playing a team against the Cubs who hadn't won in so long, like that was a great chance you know, trying to get over the hump. And I, I just worry that, you know, Atlanta, Dodgers, Astros have all been there and done that. And um, I just think that the it's not wide open this year. I mean, there's just – those three teams are really, really good. So to have to be two of them probably, that that's a tall order. So that, that's just kind of the thing that crushed me because I, I don't really think things are for the taken – uh, for the taking or like they are some years yeah and and that's look that, that's a fair point to make and it's really hard to convince yourself that of all of the years that we've had really really good teams across major league baseball i'm not talking one or two really really top dog team i'm talking yeah. several teams that are that are probably going to win 100 games i mean the Mets yeah. and the Braves both look like they're going to win 100 games, barring some collapse of the ages by both teams this this weekend and into next week, which honestly, the more you think about it, it seems unlikely that they're, that they're both going to collapse. So at least one of those teams is going to win 100 games, right? Yeah. And then you, it comes down to, okay, well, who's kind of the, the second tier behind the Dodgers, who already have 107, 
maybe 108 by the time we're done recording this. The Astros, who already have more than 100. The Braves and Mets we talked about. And then you get into the wild card teams, like Toronto and Seattle, who are already nearing 90s. So we're talking about 90 wins not being division winning caliber. We're talking 90 wins being maybe make the postseason. Mm-hmm. It, it, the disparity between the good teams and the not so good teams in baseball is getting wider and wider every single year and this just happens to be one of those years where that gap is continually getting wider and wider so just to assert yourself as one of those teams i mean let, let's let's just bring in the white Sox for example we talked about the white Sox as being the clear-cut favorites minnesota played like the favorites really all year and then all of a sudden here comes cleveland out of nowhere to win the division before the end of september it's actually insane how much we think about how good all these teams are and the yankees don't even have 100 wins yet they could win under 100 under 100 games this year which is how scary it was considering how good they were early in the season no you're right it's it's in a normal year just the the stacked top of the leaderboard like the teams are just so good yeah it's crazy on the um, other hand, though, Willie, there there is the argument that gets thrown out with yeah. regular season success, and it's always the 2001 Seattle Mariners. It's always the teams that play so good. They play such good baseball throughout the entire calendar year that by the time they get to October, by the time the month starts, by the time the calendar starts to hit October, in late September, this time of year, the games mean increasingly less because you're already in. So you're just going through the motions at this point. And it is so hard, not even just from a baseball standpoint, just from a competitive standpoint. If you're playing games that just don't matter, it's so hard to get yourself ramped up from game that doesn't matter. All of a sudden you have three days off and then you have your biggest series of the season, yeah. which is literally if you don't win the series, you're done. That's a huge shift. Yeah. And there's there's something to be said about being too good too early and just peaking just the right time which totally. is what Cleve- this is what the Atlanta did last year it's what the Nationals did in 2019 and it's what the it's what the Guardians are doing this year and i think you're absolutely right um you want to peak at the right time and there is something about look at the you know that's an argument against Houston they've played meaningless games for so long i mean they've just absolutely steamrolled everyone in the division um so that yeah i mean I, that's a great point and you know like you know that, that it's, that's very important um and you could argue that's going to be their biggest downfall because even the yankees the division got within five games or so so maybe they had to play a few games but let me ask you this Owen. um tell me who who's the biggest threat to the astros nail because i think there's a clear one and everyone else. And to, tell me who that is and make make your case why. Uh, clear cut to the Astros right now, you, you have to say it's Cleveland. Because okay. to me, the Yankees are... I don't know what it is with the Yankees. They, they feel like they're a piece short, which is weird considering they have 96 wins. But it yeah. just feels like they are that one bit short right now. Now, does the does the burden of Judge chasing Roger Maris's record does that stop weighing on the team? Because y- you have to believe that is weighing on the Yankees a little bit. The fact that there is all this commotion and chatter around your team's superstar, your your one 
giant yeah. superstar. I mean, in a team with really good players, you've got to imagine that's kind of weighing on them a little bit. But that's not the only that's not the only detail, right? There could be a million other things going wrong with that team because they just it, it. I don't know. It's a it's a gut thing, and and the 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 scoreboard does not back this up. The record does not back this up at all. I will say that. But it feels like they're one piece away. Toronto, yeah. say I, I just feel like Toronto's pitching outside of Kevin Gossman is too much of a question mark for me to mm. reliably say that they can face the Astros in a short series and mm-hmm. take down the maybe even in a seven game series. Seattle, <laughs> as much as I want to, I don't I don't think they have the the pieces to to the compete bullpen, with Houston. The bullpen, the, the bullpen is not- fun. The the bullpen is fun. Los Bomberos, uh, the firemen for 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 those who speak no Spanish. At least that's <laughs> that's what I've been told. Um, and then the, and then you have have Cleveland as the other the only other. I mean Tampa Bay maybe, but they've just been so inconsistently offensively. Which it, it Tampa Bay being inconsistent offensively is kind of like how they've it's kind of how they put the team together. They just kind of rely on the pitching and the defense and the bullpen. The offense is a problem. It's it's not it's not what it could be. There as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it comes down to Cleveland for me. That's interesting, Owen. Um, I would say I think there's a good argument. I mean, I think honestly, that's how fun the American League is, in my opinion. Um, I really think you can make an argument. Whereas in NL, I think it's just there's three teams. Whereas I think you could honestly make an argument for six teams. And uh, in here, I, I to be honest, and this is a, it's a tough call because much as I I'd love to say the Guardians, I would I think Toronto is the biggest threat. You're right, Gausman and Manoa, they're two really good pitchers mm. at the top of the rotation. Forgot to mention Manoa. Manoa is cannot be discounted. He is that dude yeah. is dude shoves. Yeah, Big very fan. good. Um, and some good pitchers in the bullpen, but um. Just the top five offense, you know, top five, ten offense. I heard that stat, yeah, that they're officially in the top five from broadcaster Dan Schulman. Credit him. And, uh, yeah, they're they're a really scary – they just have a bunch of players up and down the lineup. And um, it could even get scarier if, if, you know, Whit Merrifield decides, you know, he's hitting a little bit better. And so I just think they have the firepower. Um which I think you're going to need against Houston. And, um, yeah. So I, I think, you know, Seattle is a really dangerous team. Great bullpen. You know, we talked about Julio Rodriguez and, and Ty France. And they have some really, by the way, they have some pitchers that have been pitching really, really well lately, which is really, really cool to see. Um, but ultimately, I, I would go Toronto. I, I think that's, yeah. So I had Toronto against LA as my World Series this year. Wow! I and had the Dodgers in six. I don't feel as good about that just based on the fact that Manoa and Gossman have been the only reliable arms. I mean, Jordan Romano maybe, but really, if if you need to win a seven game series against the Houston Astros, because everyone expects the Houston Astros to be back in the ALCS, it'll be. Yeah. Really disappointing if they don't go back there by their standards. Oh. I mean, the rest of the baseball world will be so thrilled if they don't even come close to sniffing the ALCS this year. But mm-hmm. you know, beggars can't be choosers, I guess. 
Um, yeah, I I want it to be the Blue Jays, Willie. I really want the Blue Jays to to make a run. It, you know, an ideal ALCS for me would be Blue Jays Mariners, even though I don't think that's possible. I don't I don't mm, think. Uh, they'd... Notice it is. Are it they is on the same side? They're on the different. They're on different sides of the uh, the bracket. They, they will be. Yeah. Okay. One gets the four, one gets the six. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, there you go. Well, there's my ideal. My ideal part of the bracket. Be... Uh, a Blue yeah. Jays Mariners ALCS would be ideal for me but i just i i don't know i think the guardians being hot and they're the way they play is the only way that they that any team is really going to get past houston houston's just they're they're like the dodgers they're they're the very complete team with no apparent weaknesses up and down the up and down the team just here's here's my question for you and and, um this is always the problem i have with certain teams that turn over, and it's the same with the Dodgers in the bullpen a little bit, um, even though the bullpen's best in the MLB. Um, the case to me, uh, if there is a flaw in the Astros, and this isn't really a flaw because their rotation is incredible, but honestly, like when it comes down to it, um, Verlander, who's having, by the way, I just want to say, like, that kind of I I was um, a little done with Verlander. I don't know about you, but I I didn't think after all his injury problems and missing the season that he was gonna, you know, yeah. Cy Young here. I I, but, I didn't have it either. I, I'll I'll promise you that much. But, I, we didn't talk but, about him at all. No, he. I mean, incredible. But to me, the case is honestly. I, I I know this is crazy, but as good as the rotation is, I mean, do you really trust? The other guys like Kikiti and Valdez and you know well Valdez I think he he set or tied a t- either a team record or a major league record for most quality starts most consecutive quality starts in a season that kind of production can't be it's overlooked incredible. but but no but I, I guess the question is you know can't these guys are gonna have to prove it in the postseason it's like Cozy Akiti has has pitched well in the past um Javier as well Christian Javier yeah but, I don't know. I mean, that's the question. You know, you got to yeah. prove it a little I mean, bit in the post. Depends, it depends what happens when Luis Garcia takes the mound in a playoff game in Houston and he just has flashbacks to a, a certain uh, a certain Cuban-born yeah. slugger who, who hit a ball that still has not landed to this day. Uh, I say that because I watched, <laughs> I watched uh, Braves postseason highlights from last year on uh, on Tuesday because I was, I was feeling a little down personally. So... Oh. That always helps me cheer up a little bit. Is watching Solaire hit a ball directly into orbit, and the to, oh. to my knowledge, the ball has not come down yet. But no, know, that's uh, who knows? No, no, the ball, the ball did not did not come down. Yes, yeah. no. fly ball I mean, to left that, and goodbye. Was, uh, yeah, and I I just want to say <laughs> on, on the Astros real quick that, um, you know, and like it just feels like. Those guys, you know, they got McCullers back. Like, I, it feels like they, to me, they just, I don't know about you, Owen, but I never really felt like last season the Astros quite had it. They were at their best. I think this year they're really grouped. Um, I think they're, I, th- it just feels like this This could be their time again. And Yeah. You know, I honestly, Owen, I mean, look, you say – it's great. It would be great to see the Mariners go in the World Series because of the the twenty year about playoff drought. 
Yeah. It's a great story, but um, man, I mean, a lot of, I'd be hard pressed to not want to see Dodgers Astros. So. Yeah, I, I think I think we as a general baseball community, based on the storylines left, I mean, yeah, Judge Judge is a cool storyline, but we're talking about a regular season record. We're not talking about postseason. Yeah. Um, Braves back to back could be good. Upstart Mets, yeah, whatever. But there's nothing quite like the the bad blood between Dodgers fans and the Astros just existing. Yeah. So that to me is, I think, something that it. It would. I don't. I don't even know if you can put what it would mean for baseball into. I don't even know if you can put it into words. I, I legitimately don't. If if that were to happen, if that were to be the World Series matchup in twenty two, which I think a lot of people just expect it to be anyway, just because how good those teams are and how good they've been all year. It, it's it almost overshadows all of the other storylines. It overshadows the defending world champions, which is crazy to me. But also when you realize that, yeah, the Braves won 88 games last year and they won the World Series. That doesn't happen all the time. Uh, So, you know, that that right there is a case of a team in the Braves getting hot at the right time, getting good breaks, getting fortunate when they needed to and making the most of their opportunities. And that is that is really what separates the good teams from the elite teams in October. It's, It's who can take advantage of the good fortune and the good breaks. And and who can put it all together and get it over the line better than everyone else? Doesn't matter what you do in the regular season, as long as you're in, you have a chance. So you you always have the saying, "Why not us?" Yeah, I think I think that would definitely overshadow the world world champion. And I think the Braves are a great example of why not us playing well at the right time, getting hot. And um, yeah, I, I think there's a number. I mean, overall, I just think there's a number of great stories. I mean, Toronto and Seattle, San Diego. I mean, these are teams who have won Cleveland longest drought. Um, so, and then, you know, you have the, the big blue bloods as well at the top. So, um, I don't know. But I got to tell you, the Astros-Dodgers would really, I think, be good for the game, for the, for the fan base. I think mm. that would really yeah. energize. And honestly, like, We've talked about this before, but the game really needs rivalries, right? I mean, I, that's why I want to see, like, this postseason, you know, I would love to see the Braves play the Dodgers or Dodgers play Houston. If there was a way for – it would have to be in the ALCS, but maybe the Yankees play Toronto because there's some bad blood there. Those teams uh, do not exactly um, love each other. Nope. Um, as – Mr. Shulman said himself. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know if, if the Rays really have a a team that they really, you know, I don't think there's as much bad blood between the Rays and the other. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to fathom one team that the Rays really, really don't like. Um, I think with the Rays, it's it's a question sometimes of is, is there really anything objectively hateable about this organization? And and no. from from someone from someone from an objective pers- or from a from a very subjective perspective, yeah, you can obviously find things to hate about them. But but really, the way they've they've put together a championship ball club year mm-hmm. after year after year with the resources 
that they have, which is not very many, but it's it's a it's a very limited set of resources. But they put together a winning ball club, a team that is in the postseason picture every single year. It seems like they're in the postseason picture every single year yeah. with a manager who knows how to manage what he has, a front office who knows how to put the team together. It it it's you know it's. I don't even know how to put it to words from an objective perspective. From 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 someone who grew up watching the Red Sox play the upstart race following, what was it, 2008? It's annoying watching a team like that with uh, the, the shall we say, the fan support. I mean, hey, shout out to any diehard Rays fans because that, I can't imagine that's easy being a fan of that team because no matter how good you are, it just doesn't seem like there's a, a, a genuine desire to bring a, a baseball championship to Tampa Bay. But you know we could we could talk about well, expansion sad. franchises you know, for a while. And it's not against like everyone likes what they like. It's not. It's okay. Nothing wrong with with um, anyone for choosing what they like. Yeah, I will say as a yeah, everyone is willing to like what they like. There's nothing at all wrong. With not like baseball. I will say it is a little sad because you know their their team as the tourists, You know, not a very nice stadium. Still, I don't know why they they can't get a new stadium. There's Links about them moving, you know, like That's, not not great attendance. Yeah, like a split deal with uh, Montreal. Yeah, which uh, that I, that'd oh, be a logistical nightmare. Yeah. Uh, anyways, no. Uh, um. Yeah, go ahead, wait. Willie. No, no, I, I just one thing on the race. Sorry, we're going we're going all over the place. But um, sometimes I just like talking about individual players and and hearing your thoughts. Just kind of highlighting certain players. So, what do you think about Franco? Well, he he would be a bigger name player if he played in a market that isn't Tampa Bay. And, yeah. and that's that's look. I'm sure Rays fans would agree. That's probably the reason that he doesn't get a lot of the love, and that's that's the reason that yeah. Cleveland players don't. That's the reason that some Braves Whoa. players don't, namely Austin Riley in 2021. That's the reason players sometimes don't get the the really credit they deserve, and sometimes they get too much credit, i.e. Freddie Freeman in a Dodger uniform for doing exactly what he did in a Braves uniform, it's and all of a sudden it's like, oh, he's never done this before. No, he did this every single year. Like They're talking about how many games he played in a uh, row to start a year or something like that. He's like, he did this every year in Atlanta, and now you're just t- you're just catching on to to how good he is. Okay, we, we I see how it is, but that's my own frustration with it. So back to Wander Franco. Yeah. He's a generational talent. Truly, I think he's one of the one of the best young players we have in the sport, but he's being limited by the fact that he plays in a, a, a small market. There's no denying that. And I think it's it's hard to, you know, it, it's really hard to force him into every conversation that you have about, you know, who are the best shortstops, who are the best young players in baseball, just because the Rays don't always come to the front of your mind, even though they are so good every year. I yeah, don't, I don't get it, Willie. No, it's it's. um. They play in a small market, and maybe they're a little more popular on the East Coast. But yeah, it's just sad. Rocco and Rosarina were um, last year in the NL, AL, sorry, Rookie of the Year. I think they were first and third. I think Luis Garcia up was in there. So yeah, those are two great examples of, of guys because they're not in huge market. But I also think it, it has to do, like, look, from a, a national perspective, it definitely has to do with the market. Definitely for the for the towns that seem to really like baseball, maybe you'll get a little more noise, more noise, you know. Yeah. Um, and and it's not to say 
that you know they're like not Tampa's like baseball, but some of the really hardcore fan bases will can kind of hype up their players. But yeah, ultimately it's um, there's just too many stars like this just uh, not not getting highlighted, and uh, that's why it's good that uh, Julio Rodriguez I think is getting some attention. You know. So. Yeah, I agree. And you, you also you can really see how it's rejuvenated. I mean, I was watching, you know, one game where he was getting the crowd hyped up. Uh, it's game like, yeah, it seems like the whole city's gotten behind that team. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, as as a a Seattleite by association, I really want to mm-hmm. see the Mariners be, you know, make a, a legitimate run at the mm-hmm. at least the ALCS. Um, I know. Right, make the case. Make the case. Make the case for the Mariners playing, making the deep playoff run. Make the case for them making a deep run. I I think it's just their their bullpen and their ability to win close games and stay and their record in close games. I think they only the Braves trailed a Mariner. Or they they only tra- it's it the Braves and Mariners are one and two. I can't remember the order. At least last I heard. Crazy. They they have one of the best records in baseball, if not the best record in close games in in one run games specifically. So that that plays in October when when runs are very hard to come by and you need good pitching, you need a good defense. That's a recipe for success. And I I really do think if the Mariners would have made it last year, they could have they could have surprised some people if they made it to the playoffs last year. Yeah. I don't know if they would have gotten over the hump against Houston, but you know, no, yeah. you know, obviously that's that's a that's proved to be a really yeah. tough task in the last few seasons. No, no, that's Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, you know, Boston was that team last year that kind of surprised everyone. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I think on there, there's some crazy stats out there about their record in one-run games. Like, it's really, really crazy. Yeah. The amount of good relief pitchers they have. Um, you know, so, yeah, that that's, to me, you know, they're, they're another team that's that's very scary. For sure. Yeah. Now they, they did have some struggles. Um, it wasn't like they're in the best form, but um, yeah, that's a team that's that's really fun to, to watch, you know. Yeah. I mean and, and they have been scuffling as of late, the Mariners have, but that it doesn't yeah. take a lot for you to get hot. It does not take a lot. And it could be something as simple as Julio Rodriguez coming back from his injury and yep. igniting Which, the well, team to a deep run in the playoffs. It could be that simple. Because you, you never really know how to quantify the effect of a guy coming back from an injury, especially a guy who is as talented and as as young and exciting as Julio Rodriguez. I mean, he's the presumptive American League Rookie of the Year, and he is maybe the difference maker in them getting over the hump this year and making it to the postseason. For sure. No, he he's, in, he's incredible. I mean, he's got to be healthy, and uh, it's... I mean, look, injuries are. It could be as simple as that. Yeah, I agree. It really could. Also, one guy, um, I want to highlight, and people have talked about him, but he did have a bad outing. But this guy, Matt Brash. Matt Brash. Incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Watching watching Matt Brash pitch is one of the most exciting things you can do as a baseball fan. And it, it kind of sucks because he got moved to the bullpen because he, he was starting earlier in the year, but he got moved to the bullpen. His 
the combination of his it's like a two seam two seamer slider combination it's yeah when it's on it's borderline unhittable because the slider acts it acts like a it has the curveball downward tilt to it with the slider velocity i mean it's it's like trying to hit like i'm trying to find a good comp for it off the top of my head i mean that's what people talk about it's there's more there's more downward action on it than jacob Degrom's slider i mean it, it legitimately feels more like a it's got the, the the drop of a curveball, but it's it's got the velocity of a slider, and it's still got a little bit of that that horizontal break to it. So I don't really know what to what to make of his stuff other than it's filthy. Yeah, it's absolutely filthy. So and and we talked about this game. I think one of our last episodes. It was like it, it was what what Scott Service was calling it the game of the year, or the maybe one of the best games oh, yeah. he's been part of. It was an extra innings, like two to one game against the Yankees, where I think Castillo pitched seven or eight innings of one run ball, and the bullpen was lights out after him. And it was base running mistake, defensive, just incredible play. It was up and down, one of the best played games of baseball from a just pure defensive perspective. It wasn't, you know, one of those nine to eight games with like game tying home runs left and right ones that really get people out of their seats. But like it it was one for the baseball nerds and Matt Brash came in and threw, I think, 13 pitches and he filled up the strike zone with the the nastiest stuff you can imagine. I mean, it was it was incredible. That was one of the yeah, no, you mentioned that. That's those are the, the special games, right? Yeah, I mean, when. When all things are are down, you need a guy like that, right? Yeah. Um, but and by the way, um, they seem like they're in a crazy game right now. The Mariners. Yeah, Love I have them. I have the the but, um, game track open right now. One thing I do just want to, last thing I want to mention about the Mariners is um, Luis Castillo hasn't been pitching very well, so that that's kind of a concern. He pitched in that game on Sunday. They lost thirteen to twelve to the Royals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he started to give up, I think, five runs. Yeah. Something like they had a they had a, they had a huge uh, huge inning against them. It's funny because Dallas Braden on on baseball's dead. He was talking about this earlier this week. I think it was on Monday's episode. He was talking about what happens in outings like that. Basically, it came down to Castillo's ability to paint the outside corner, paint the corners of the strike zone with his two seamer. It became that basically getting taken off the table because those really close pitches just weren't finding the zone and so he had to throw in end up throwing his change up more because hitters weren't biting on the fastball and at that point you can't you kind of have to go to your secondary pitch which for castillo is the filthy change up so what happens when you start basically spitting on the fastball and then yeah. you see a change up which is the same action as his fastball just you know about 10 miles an hour slower you start you start barreling it up and that's just what happened that that's what happens with with a guy like castillo who as hard as he throws he does need to be precise on the outside part of the plate or it can get hit pretty hard so look am i am i concerned no is there reason to be concerned probably but that said on the last two outings he struggled against the kansas city and oakland he got to you well, know, not, it's it's right. those those teams this time of year are pretty dangerous to play against because yeah. because well, you have guys in the team who don't necessarily know what their role is for next year, so they have that extra little bit of motivation. And, and, 
you know, maybe Dayton Moore from Kansas City got um, they he's no longer there, so maybe there's some players thinking they have something to prove or something like exactly, that. Exactly, exactly. Which, Guys. but yeah, which yeah. So you know, you're right. Those teams are dangerous. And look, that's I just want to say with regards to the NL East, not the transition, but like the those teams are dangerous. Like I don't know why it is, but it feels like the I don't know about you, but it feels like I don't know how many games they played recently, but it feels like the Braves keep playing the Nationals. But the Nationals have beaten them a fair amount of games here. Nationals won yesterday in the tenth inning on a walk off. Abrams, Abrams yeah. walk off. Um, but that's another example. It's like I think they've taken a few games off the Braves, uh, and it's you know it's like yeah, that, that's a great example of how these teams are dangerous to play. They are, yeah. No, they you don't you don't want to you don't want to go in as a team that needs to win basically every game playing a team that has nothing to lose because and we've talked about this before you play a little tighter you play with a little more tension the other team has nothing to lose they just go out and and they don't they don't really care what the result is they're just trying to it's the same, it's the same like um uh the phillies have gotten for whatever reason dominated by the cubs this season like, it's just like you know like, whatever reason yeah yeah no, you're right maybe it's you're playing loose yeah um, and that's actually Willie. That 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 is a good segue into the NL East. Now that you bring up the Phillies, also and you by talk the way, the I want to say, yeah, I saw the highlights. I didn't see the game, but um, it feels like it's going to be the Mets' year to win the division. I'm not saying to go farther because you know I did revise my so my preseason pick on the podcast was the Rays and the Padres with uh, the Rays winning. But I I did say a few weeks ago if I had to revise, I'd pick Atlanta. But um, like yesterday, I think it was yesterday, where the Mets beat the Marlins. Five uh, four. Eduardo Escobar had three RBI hits. He drove in all their runs. Five RBIs out of five runs. Five, five RBIs. Absolutely and bonkers. Marlins, pretty big. So it's like, you're right. It's like those teams have nothing to lose, but you got to win those games. Yeah, you do. And yeah. am I mad the Braves didn't win that game? Absolutely. Does it change anything about what I still think is going to happen in the very end of the season based on what's happened so far? No. I I still think it's going to come down to the Mets having to win a game. I think the Mets play the Nationals and the Braves play the Marlins. It'll, it'll be one day game where the Braves have to beat the Marlins. And it's funny you mentioned that, Willie, because assuming things go to plan, Guess mm-hmm. who the Braves will have to face in game 162 in Miami? Guess who the Braves get to face in that game? Assuming that he, uh, assuming no setbacks. One of the good uh, one of the good pitchers, right? These front runner for the NL Cy Young Award, oh, Sandy Alcantara. Yeah. So look, I want to be optimistic and positive and say that the Braves are going to sweep the Mets out of Atlanta and win the division by Tuesday of next week. It's not going to happen. This, for whatever reason, I don't know what kind of deal with the devil that Steve Cohen made to A, get the money, and then B, be able to have this voodoo magic all of a sudden work in his first year as the owner and Buck's first year as manager. But it... it, it, it it's Alcantara. Well, it's looking like it's looking like the Mets' year to finally break the, uh, the Braves' win streak in the division, which... And also the... Uh, the other thing is annoying. I, I, with this is that uh, I think the statistic they said on the MLB Network is that um, the Mets, if they win one, just one of the three games, they'll win the tiebreaker. So the Braves yeah. have to, if they, they, I think at a minimum they have to win two out of three, 
a sweep really would put him. I'd feel much better. But given the tiebreaker situation, that that's dicey. Yeah, and so I think really it'd be more unlikely unless they sweep them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Braves Braves really do need to sweep the series. And speaking of which, that's a perfect segue into talking about the series you wanted to highlight and talk about the NL East because yeah. that really, looking at the slate of games left this year and what's left to play for, that is the biggest series of the year Yeah, up to this point. Uh, the Braves need to... Braves need to sweep the Mets to really comfortably say they can win the division. Yeah. So Braves play the Mets starting tomorrow night in Atlanta. Three games set, hopefully not interrupted by Hurricane Ian. Yeah. Uh, But the pitching matchups before Wednesday's game originally looked like Freed against Chris Bassett, Scherzer against, I think, Kyle Wright, and Mm. then Jacob deGrom against Charlie Morton on Sunday Night Baseball. That has been altered. Oh, you're right. The Mets decided they are going all in to win the division. So what they have done is they have put Jacob deGrom first. Jacob DeGrom is going to take on Max Freed tomorrow oh. night. That, and if, that, that, yeah. Look, yeah. As, a, as a baseball fan, if, if, if you can't find out what must-see TV is and, and you look past that, I don't know what to tell you. It, it, no. It's must-see. It's, it's World it, Series champion Max Freed against yeah. future Atlanta Brave Jacob DeGrom. I'm kidding. He's, he's going to the Dodgers next year. Against Jacob DeGrom, the best pitcher on the planet, in a in a game that the Braves have to win and the Mets really really want to win because they want to win the division, it's that's must see TV. That's it's why amazing. we play all these games to get down to September to get to these close division races. This is it's, this is it, what it, fires it, us up, Willie. That's why when I, I both teams are on my auto record on my TV because it's a four o'clock game and it'll be hard to watch live. Both game both teams are always on my my permanent auto record. Literally, uh, they're two of the the four teams i've got dodgers and cleveland as well but um i would say yeah on this is so exciting i mean this is why you like baseball right just for these division races there's there's not much it, that it, that gets better than this and so i'm really glad that the season has provided us with a lot of interesting storylines and this is certainly one of them this is a race for the ages and like i said not everything's about the postseason a lot's about the regular season how fun it is yep and uh, how they do? Uh, Atlanta won that matchup, right? When they pitched, what a month or two ago, when they they faced each other and Degrom pitched against Freed. Yeah, um, I want to say the Braves tagged. I want to say the Braves tagged him for three runs because I think I was like in between taking a nap after work. I was exhausted from it was a long weekend, but I was in and out of consciousness from a nap, and I'm pretty sure the Braves. Pretty sure the Braves tagged Degrom for like three runs in five innings or something like that. Yeah. I'll have to. Uh, I'm gonna double check that right now because uh, it 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 is really it, it's. Let's see, Braves versus Mets head to head 2022. We could ignore the five game series in uh, in August. That that team didn't that or that series didn't happen. We can ignore that one. So we had. Let's see. Yeah, the last the last series, the Mets came to Atlanta for four games, and the Braves won three of them. And I mm-hmm. think it was thirteen to one on the first night. I think it 
Lana won this second one. I'm trying to remember what this game was. Um, yes. Versus Mets 2022. Let's see. Uh, no, I don't want that. I want this. I think it was DeGrom. Oh, you think DeGrom won the game? Okay. Yes. No, DeGrom won the game. That was 3-2. God, why did they not make this easier to, easier to look into? Um, the last time they played each other, it was, let's see, 3-2, nothing. I think this was, okay, this was the game they got to the starter early. 13-1 was the route. 9-7 was, I think, the Braves' bullpen. Uh, yeah, Braves' bullpen kind of pooped the bed on that one. Uh, Scherzer. Let's see who it was from the Braves again. Uh, yeah, Jackson Stevens couldn't throw strikes that day. I remember that. That was painful. Uh, but then, yeah, the last time they played each other, Max Fried against Jacob DeGrom. Max Fried, seven innings, two runs, six strikeouts, no walks. Jacob DeGrom, six and two-thirds, three earned runs, nine strikeouts, no walks. Kenley Jansen with his 28th save of the year. The scoring coming courtesy of Dansby Swanson, Austin Riley, and Michael Harris the second, the presumptive National League Rookie of the Year. Not to take away from what his teammate Spencer Strider has done this year. Uh, that's injury. He's he's done for the regular season, but he's probably going to be back in time for the postseason, depending on on, on how the yeah. how his oblique heals. Uh, I think there's, you know, I'm I'm not as worried because the alarm bells. No one's been ringing the alarm bells. It's like oh, Strider's going to miss significant time. As long as he's back for the the postseason, I think we're okay. Uh, because the rotation this year, even not even counting Kyle, uh, not even counting Spencer Strider, has been Max Fried, Kyle Wright, and Charlie Morton. Charlie Morton's been less than stellar at times. At times he's been great. Kyle Wright's been pretty consistent. He's had a couple stinkers, but you know these things happen when you throw as hard as he does, and sometimes you're you're still a young pitcher. Uh, and then Max Fried has still been Max Fried. So I think the Braves are in okay shape. And then when they add Spencer Strider, who by the way I was at that 16 strikeout game in Atlanta. That was electric. I mean, I was telling my friend because I was in it was in Atlanta for my friend's wedding. I was telling him, guys, just just look at the uh, just look at the radar gun. 99, yeah. 99, 100, 99, 98, 99, 97, 98, 99. I was like, this dude is ridiculous. All he throws is fastballs, and no one can hit him. He's not Hunter Green though. No, he's not Hunter Green, but he's he's Spencer Strider. He's got a better mustache. <laughs> yes. Um, that's no, you're right on. I mean, he's he's exciting. That's for sure. Um, yeah, that's unfortunate. That could cost them, but uh, yeah, no, he's he's fun. He's fun, isn't he? He's really fun. Yeah, I want to I want to look at Jacob Degrom's career, uh, his career ERA versus different teams because you think he doesn't do well against Atlanta. Statistically, his ERA against the Braves, I think is I think it starts with a three. And wow. against everyone else, it's one or lower. Uh let me double that's, check. Well, wow, that's incredible. Um so let's see. Pitching splits. And then this is all fan graphs. Okay. Um oh, this is just for this year. Let's see. Uh situational. Can we not do Nope, can't do can't do by team, can we? Well, either way, Jacob Degrom versus the Braves has a, a career ERA that is significantly higher than his actual ERA, or it it's noticeably higher. 
Yeah. I think it's. Yeah, a- I mean, that's interesting. That's uh, there. Is there something in the matchup that you think they hit well against him? You think, or is um, it just rivals? You think, or no? What? I lied. It's two eleven. <laughs> Never mind. Okay, there is a difference, but still, I mean, that shows you. I wonder what what team has the worst record against. That's yeah. I'd be curious to know. But it either here's way. A, here's an interesting theory about Degrom, and I think someone on ESPN, whether it was Mendoza or Buster Olney, talked about it um, with Degrom. Um, you know, he he's going into. He wants to get a lot of money, right? So, um, how big is either in his mentally, or do you think the Mets should should rest him? I mean, you know, he doesn't want to get hurt. I know the team doesn't want him to get hurt. Um, God forbid he he doesn't want to pitch on short rest. So I'm wondering, do you think there is a case? Um, you know, look what happened to Scherzer in the postseason last year. Is there any case for, I guess he's going to pitch on Friday and then maybe shutting yeah. him? Well, well, okay. Well, here's the thing, Willie. Okay. They get the buy. I guess they would get the buy. Exactly. Exactly. So if you're the if you're the Mets, right? Your aspiration is not make the playoffs because you've already done that. Your aspiration going into 2022 was World Series. Steve Cohen has said that he wants to bring a championship to the Mets within his first five years as owner. He said that this year and they spent like he he spent like he means it, right? So, I mean, for God's sake, they instituted a luxury tax threshold that they nicknamed the Cohen tax specifically because of Steve Cohen, specifically because they know he doesn't, he doesn't care about paying the luxury tax. So if you're the Mets, your goal is to win the World Series. And you know that the team in L.A. Mm-hmm. is a wagon. Mm-hmm. That That is a very tough team to go to go into Dodger Stadium and play that team. I mean, that is a postseason environment. Every single game they play. If they're for, for those of you who have been to Dodger Stadium before, if you've if you go to that stadium and there look like there are 5,000 empty seats, chances are there are actually 5,000 empty seats because it is a massive stadium. I mean, I think it, by capacity, it's the second biggest. I think Yankees, what? second or third, I think. Yeah. But it's a massive stadium. Number that one. Place, number, uh, something like that, yeah, just based on their numbers. Or based on the capacity. I think the Braves Braves are up there in attendance as well. Yeah. But they, what I'm saying, they fill the stadium. It's a playoff atmosphere. It gets loud. It's an experience. Dodger Stadium is a hard place to play for visiting clubs. Yeah, so is. if you're the Mets... You've got to be thinking, okay, well, my best opportunity to beat the Dodgers, which they won't be able to do, is to have home field and to have them come to us. Well, okay, if we can't have home field, that means we want to play them as fresh as possible, right? We don't want to play the best team until it we really have a trip to the World Series on the line. So the best way to do that is not by playing them in the Division Series, right? The best way to do that is by playing them in the Championship Series. And the only way to do that is to have the next best record. Well, who's going to get in our way of having the next best record? It's going to be our division rivals. It's going to be our most hated rivals, the defending World Series champion Atlanta Braves. Unless you think the four days off are going to hurt them and the five, you could play them in a short series, play them in five games. You could, but here's the thing. Do you want to play the Dodgers right out of the gate? Or do you want 
everyone to get you want that extra time to get healthy do you want to play a team that you ha- feel better about oh yeah and with also, no disrespect to either one of those teams but do you want to play the phillies or the brewers or the cardinals well i, I would also say that um i um well actually not i think so the the mets the, whoever gets the four seed by the way i just want to say well i would favor the mets or the braves it's gonna be the padres they're gonna be no pushover for sure right. that's gonna be tough in the 3M, like the Padres could absolutely beat them. Yeah. So I think that's also the the kicker too. Like exactly. That. Yeah. Um, and and the Padres will. We haven't talked about the Padres really, but they're getting hot at the right time. I would not sleep on the Padres, especially. It looked, it looked really dire for a while. It yeah. looked like they might lose their way out of, and then yeah, they've yeah. Got, they've gotten they've started to play well. Um, the right guys I, have started to play yeah, really well. Yeah. What's that? The, the the right guys have started to play well. Soto Machado. Yeah, uh, haters getting it. Haters playing better. Yeah, hater has pitched better. Um, I don't know what what's been going on with uh, Soto, but you're right. He he, you know, playing a little better. Yeah, no, their team. You know, maybe they're flying a little under the radar, but you know, I would say, look, I would say, and and honestly, yeah. So, um, for sure, I I agree with you, Owen. That that everything is riding on this. Uh, division and it'll be cool and I, I think it's gonna come right down to the end and it'll be really exciting to watch the nationals and the marlins and yeah um who gets to yeah, play but, spoiler but if you remember last podcast two weeks ago we were talking about how the schedule really favored the mets and they've they've managed to keep it close to the braves yeah so. yeah the mets have had the easiest schedule out of all 30 teams by win percentage they've had the easiest remaining schedule and yet it's still a one game deficit for the Braves. The Braves spotted the Mets. I want to I want to I want to remind everyone that the Braves spotted the Mets 10 and a half games to start the year. <laughs> so if the Braves come back and win this division, um, I'm going to be full on insufferable to Mets fans. I We already have our World Series. Unless the Mets win the World Series, I will continue to be full on insufferable. But I will I will table that until the time is right, because I know no one celebrate. You do not celebrate too early. In, under any circumstances, then you you turn into you turn into a meme no. and everything just just goes south really quickly. No, no, I, you're right. You it yeah. You do not. And uh... but but talking about this series, Willie, mm-hmm. Mets Mets Braves. So exciting! I'm excited for it. I'm also nervous because the last time the Braves played the Mets in a long series, a, a big, meaningful series, right? Mm-hmm. Not to say the last one wasn't. That one in the summer, the six game. But the series. early August series in New York, five games against the Mets for the Braves. Five games. The Mets won each one of those games by, I think, three runs or less. So all of them are save opportunities for Edwin Diaz. Oh, they won the, the, the four out of the five, I mean. Four out of five, right? Yeah. And the way they scored their runs was specifically the way that I broke down a couple episodes after that using their baseball savant page. Soft contact, blue pits, coincidental, coincidental. Happen to have a guy on third. Happen to have a have Braves. Happen to not have a guy there. It's it's the the definition of the way they played for most of the year. Now Pete Alonso has started to get really hot, and he's driven in 128 runs, I think, at this point, if not yep. more. So he's starting to heat up a little bit, which is a little bit of a concern for the Braves. Mm-hmm. But realistically, if the Braves play up to their potential because let's be I'm going to be I'm going to be honest here. The Braves did not play up to their potential in that series. Braves played 
miserably oh, up and down the line. Every every pitcher sucked. Every hitter couldn't hit a fastball. It was it was brutal. Mm-hmm. But Matt Olson is starting to hit again. Orlando Arcia is hitting. Eddie Rosario is starting to hit. Marcelo I, Zuna is I, I starting to hit. Rosario Acuna is healthy. It's it's looking like pretty much both teams are going to be at full strength at this point. So, you know, do I see it going the same way? Bits and pieces of it. I do. Yes. And, you know, whether or not it plays out in that excruciating way that makes me want to throw my my TV out the window. We'll see. But this is why we go through the months of April, May, June, July, August, and half of September is to get to series like this with this division on the line, the postseason on the line. I mean, both teams are going to the postseason. We just don't know which which seed they're going to be. This is what you play for. This is exactly the kind of thing that you are a baseball yeah. fan for. Just this as on as, as on it. that note, how where does the series rank in terms of a, a series you just a regular season series you look forward to? Like, can you remember many series in the past? They really look forward to like this. I don't honestly think it gets much better. I mean, for me, the only ones that come close were those Red Sox Yankees series in in the summers of I think it was 08, 09, 2010, something like that. Kind of the middle of our, uh, you know, end of middle school, beginning of high school, those summers. Just because I think both of those teams were were really really good. Their Sox won in 07 and they still had a good team. The Yankees all of a sudden spent that money before the 09 season, then they won the World Series, and then 2010 mm-hmm. it was kind of a war of attrition, and the the Red Sox were kind of middling for a little bit, then they won the World Series. So, but for the Braves, I can't remember a Braves regular season series being this big in. I want to say early 2000s. And I couldn't even tell you what series it was. I, I just remember that it, it was a, a series where the Braves could clinch their whatever consecutive division title that ended up meaning nothing because they didn't win the World Series. But, you know, that's that's the Braves complaining about making them postseason. We'll table that for another time when it's more appropriate. But I for the Braves, really, they just I, in my lifetime, I don't think they've had any regular season series that have had this level of of. I don't know this this weight to it, and I'll, I'm also I'm saying this also because the Braves have never been defending World Champions in my lifetime outside of the 1996 season. Which let's check the facts on this, Willie. You and I were both one year old when that season started, so not exactly a lot of a lot of memories to go off on. It's like yeah, that was a memorable season. So we haven't been defending champions, and we haven't had the multi billion dollar New York Mets right on our tails, or been no. chasing them all season. So and I, I can't say. I just want to say too that as a fan, right? I, no, so I agree with you. It's hard to it's hard to remember many series you really like, and it, it adds to the fact that they're you know they've had some good games in the past for sure. They're division foes. Um, so you, you're saying it's right up there with, with uh, oh series. for sure for sure. Yeah, it's it's this is Owen. Oh, this is great. I I, I love it, and it actually um it actually. And actually, I wanted to bring this up at some point. I think this would be a good time to bring it up. So the the MLB um, changed the scheduling for next year. Mm-hmm. And it, it is really interesting. And so for anyone that doesn't know, um, the MLB changed the schedule so that teams will play. Now they currently play 19 games against every team in its division. 
They're going to play next season. They'll only play 13. But they're going to change the amount of interleague games. So now the, the big thing is now every team has a natural interleague rival. They'll play four games against them. And, but every, you will play at least three games against every team in the other league. So you're going to play every team. Yep. Uh, which I think is great for the fans. But I will say, and I don't know about you, you know, I would say it's really good for the league as a whole, um, for the national product, except for the end, the cat and the casual fans. So I think it's definitely a plus. But the only minus would be for the really hardcore fans that love these division series. You know, do you, do you, how do you feel about the six less games against the so two less series? I I personally like it, and the reason I like it mainly has to do with it's mainly social media related. It's mostly seeing comments about how insert team here plays in insert division here. I mean that's it's it's in some ways it's a legitimate criticism, but you you don't control who's in your division, so you can't control who you play with this format. It takes even more of that out of the equation because guess what? Everyone gets to play everyone. So there's no like, oh, well, we played three games against this team and you played three games against that team. No, that's out the window now. And if it comes at the at the cost of playing divisional games, I'm all for it because the that narrative of, oh, you played so and so you still have to play 162 Major League Baseball games. Do you know how hard it is to win a Major League Baseball game? Very, 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 very hard. Mm-hmm. Let alone to win a hundred of them, or hundred and sixteen, or hundred and seven. No, the Dodgers have. No, no, it does eliminate that. And look, to be honest, I think there's some truth in some of that. Like, you know, if you're in a weak division, then you know you can really beat up on a couple teams, and that's going to give you a few less games where you can play in the periphery. So it eliminates that argument, which is good. I agree. The big thing I think is a win for the fans, though. It, it, it's going to create much more national interest in teams you might not normally follow on TV, but it also give you to go in person to see games. And I love it because I think there's a lot of fans that just they don't really pay attention, and they and it's not not their fault because why would you follow a a team in? To be honest, I mean, why would you really follow teams that are not in your league? Uh, you know. Why would you follow American League teams if you're a fan of the National League team? And, you know, vice versa. And then why even would you really be that close about teams outside your division? So I think it's going to be great. And it'll just, it'll be so exciting, I think, to see these teams play. Yeah. Um, and in town like that, that would be great. Yeah. Um, one one quick note, Willie, because I, I th- there's an interesting segue with, with this conversation. Uh, one quick note, the Mariners did walk off the Rangers. The oh, Mariners' magic number oh. is now one. Wow. The Mariners win one baseball game, one more, and they are in the playoffs for the first time in 20 years, 21 years. You know who hit the walk-off? It oh, looks like it was, was it Dylan Moore? Let's uh, see. Mariners 10, Rangers 9. It uh, was J.P. Crawford, Crawford after okay. Luis, Luis Torrens tied it in the bottom of the 11th. J.P. Crawford, infield single to third. Wow. So, oh, how do you like the new extra innings? How do you like it? Uh, it's, it's funny. Mark, my roommate, was asking me this yesterday. 
and I was telling him why they instituted the the Ghost Runner rule. I personally hate it. Me too. I like I like the reasoning, and I like the fact that they implemented it in 2020. It is now 2022. This is the second full season that we've had a ghost runner to start at second base. I get it. It speeds up the game, but it, 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 I don't, I don't know what to make of it, Willie. It, Cause it, 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 it speeds up the game, but it gives you an advantage. If you're the visiting team that you have to earn ordinarily and it takes the, I don't know it like it takes a little bit of strategy out of the game because yeah. then it becomes cut and dry you're just trying to score that runner from second yeah and, and I don't know I I don't know yeah. how to put it into words other than I don't like it and it's unnecessary it speeds up the game sure that's yeah. and for, I, I, for 2020 it made sense for 2021 it made sense but it's 2022 we should be past this by now no I um I agree, Owen. I think I agree. I agree with you. I have the same thoughts. I mean, I think it's it speeds up the game, which is good. Um, that's the positive. Um, it, it's going to create more drama because you know now it's like feels like every time I'm watching an extra inning, like they end up in a jam and the, like there's no clean innings. Um, I will say I have a big issue with it in the postseason in particular because I I think it's really gonna. And I think that's the beauty of baseball in a weird way. And, and so, first of all, I think it's really going to take away from the postseason. I, I just think it's a huge unfair advantage. The postseason should be about pure skill and uh, no inherent, you know, structural advantages in the rule book. And the second thing is that I, I don't know. This is kind of interesting. Now, I will say that I think it's good in the regular season. And well, I don't like it, but I think the other argument is that. It, you know, if the game runs late, it, it'll make people more likely to stay at the game or to watch the game, um, which is good because people don't want to stay up. I, I get it. But I also feel like I, I kind of like the – it's so fun, like, watching your screenings. You're like, when's that game going to end? So I don't know. I, 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 I But ultimately, I, with you, I agree, and I, I don't – I don't like it because any pitcher – any people will tell you that there's a big difference between pitching with no one on base, like mentally, and it's not just you have to pitch out of the stretch, but like mentally, like it's a huge skill to like strand runners, but it's a hugely different mindset. And uh, I think it really, I mean, there's so many things you could say too, right? It's like, well, the pitchers have to pitch a lot differently because now all of a sudden there's a guy on base. So. Yeah, it's uh, I you know that wow wow, and then you know it's like oh maybe I'll just put in a pitch runner, you know. So I I you know I I don't like it at all. Yeah, not not a fan, not a fan. No, I, I but, yeah, I'm, you know, it's, it's not here to stay. Thankfully, which we can be we can be happy about. Um, we haven't really talked about the rule changes or whatnot. I want to save that for maybe another episode. Maybe we can talk about that in our our preview for twenty twenty three, just to not confuse people. Um. Before we get to the segue that I originally had in mind, Willie, I just realized this is our first episode since Albert Pujols hit his 700th oh, home run. Uh, 
talk about that. Yeah. So last Friday at Dodger Stadium, so we could go as you're hearing this. Albert Pujols hit home run number 699 off Andrew Heaney and home run number 700 off Phil Bickford of the Dodgers, both at Dodger Stadium, the team he played for last year. We are very, 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 very unlikely going to see another player hit the 700 home run club in our lifetime. It is it is that rare. Four people, four guys in history have hit 700 home runs. Four. Barry Bonds, Hank Aaron, Babe Ruth, and now Albert Pujols. Yep. So I don't care who you're a fan of. I don't care when you started watching baseball. We are witnessing mm-hmm. generational greatness. He has literally yeah. transcended several generations. Albert Pujols, let's put it in perspective, Willie. And this was something that also the guys on Baseball is Dead brought up as well. I think it was Jared Carabas. Albert Pujols started playing baseball mm-hmm. pre-9-11. That's crazy. That's how long he's been playing baseball. He has been in the major leagues. Yep for two completely different worlds. The pre-9-11 world and the post-9-11 world, two vastly different experiences. And Albert Pujols has been the major leagues for both of them. Mm-hmm. Now, he, he made his debut, it was like August of, tw- of 2001, but still, he, he played in the majors in a pre-9-11 world, and that just does not happen anymore. That sort of longevity and that sort of greatness no. sustained throughout his entire career. The multiple championships, pretty sure he won MVP if if not came close and now 700 home runs no it's it's you know it's um it's incredible I mean I don't know about you Owen but um it feels like this season has been truly remarkable consider Aaron Judge and Pools and the NLE like it's it's been incredible and um yeah I just think you should appreciate it um, I think this is the, in my opinion, I mean, uh, well, tell me what you think, but I, I find it hard. I think this is the most, uh, I don't know if it's the word. I think this is the personally, the coolest milestone that we will ever see someone reach. Yep. Um, because it's just so rare. You know, um, it's just so rare. Um, and, and, and you know, I, I, I think the other thing that comes... So, first of all, like you said, only four players have ever done it. It's incredible. I'm upset that it happened, you know, late at night on a Friday. You know, and he hit two back-to-back in the sense that, you know, maybe... It, and it was on Apple TV. So, I texted you. It was like, this game's on Apple TV. I can't believe it's on Apple TV. Yeah. Um, but... Just incredible. I mean, you'll you have to always remember this because we're not going to see anything. I find it hard to believe we'll ever see anything like this in, in a long time. Um, so you really got to appreciate it. He's one of the greatest hitters this game's ever seen. Mm-hmm. Let's look back, and uh, this will look back in history. I mean, this this honestly, Owen, like for the rest of our life, we might not ever see as big a compliment as this. No, and and. Say what you will about Barry Bonds, Willie, but we also were alive when Barry Bonds hit number seven hundred fifteen well, and seven hundred and fifty-six. Yeah, and 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 we can I save was, that for another that, episode. 
Well, I was going to say that for the judge part, but I, I was going to say, I mean, yes, watching Barry Bonds. Now, I will say that um, I know we were young, but um, the, the, the way that fell at the time, I felt like the Bonds stuff, for whatever reason, had a whole nother, like level of excitement surrounding it. Nothing against any of the players now. It just feels like that. It felt like at the time that was like a huge, huge story. Yeah. Like, like even more so than it is now. It is huge yeah. story now. And and imagine, imagine living through that as at the time a Braves fan who didn't like Barry Bonds at all because of what he thought the concept of using steroids represented. But Rich Shearing is realizing that Barry Bonds is a Hall of Famer. But I'll let we'll we'll table that for another another time Owen, because that that takes several well, episodes. What does this accomplishment mean to you, though, Owen? I mean, I just I can't overstate how big a milestone this is. I mean, this, yeah. Well, it's it's again, it's something that baseball has been around since the 1800s, Willie. The early eight, the mid to late 1800s. Okay, that's that's a long time. Four. One, two, three, four people have hit 700 home runs, and we are witnessing the fourth, or we we witnessed the fourth. That that's that's it's gigantic. I don't I don't know how else to put it, because you know my grandmother was alive for three of them, right? She was alive when when Ruth did it. She's alive when Aaron did it. She's alive when Bonds did it, and she passed away last year. And she missed Pujols. I mean, she wasn't a baseball fan. I'm just using that as a longevity. My grandmother was 94 years old when she passed away last year. So that's that sort of time frame to be able to witness all of them. That doesn't happen very often. So just to see one of them is is a lot, right? So it, I just don't know if we'll ever be lucky enough to have more than one of these. And we've we've seen two in our lifetimes. It's 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 really hard to put into words what what this is because let's look at his accolades his career accolades, eleven time All Star, two time World Series champion, three time League MVP, Rookie of the Year in two thousand one, NLCS MVP in two thousand four, two time Gold Glove Award winner, five time Fielding Bible Award winner, six time Silver Slugger, two times Hank Aaron Award winner in the National League, Roberto Clemente Award winner. The National League batting champion in 03, two-time home run leader in 2009 and 2010, and the National League RBI leader in 2010. <coughs> sure. Coupled with the fact that he just hit 700 a week ago. So the the well, here's what I'll say. That's crazy. So the first thing we said about that really hit me. Like your grandma was alive for three of these. Like this is something in sports you hardly ever see, and it's it's so it's just so amazing and it's so fun to watch the chase too like i mean i'll you know you'll kind of always remember as fans like yeah same with judge right these the chase is so fun um you know and and i think the the weird thing about pools you know it's and and i will just say that um Someone said this, and Bill Simmons, like one of the best things in sports is a comeback story. And and that's what it is, which makes it extra special. But that goes to the fact that um, and I, I pulled up I pulled up these stats here because I knew we were gonna be talking about this, so I'm gonna read, but 
it, you know, it feels weird because, you know, I don't feel like we, we can really grasp how good Albert Pujols is. And I think it's going to take 10, 20 years to look back on his stats and to look back on his legacy and be like, this guy was one of the best hitters you've ever seen. But I just pulled this up because, you know, it's hard. And the re- sorry, I was, I was stalling. The reason why it's hard is just because he spent 10 years on the Angels where he was nowhere close to his production. And St. Louis, and I pulled this up um, here, um, his seasons with the Angels. 30 home runs, 17, 28, 40, 31, 23, 19, 23, 6, 17, 5, 12. And, and then when you go through his, um, I mean, just his basic stats, you know, um, Angels, just his batting average, right? 285, 258, 272, 244, 268, 241, 245, 244, 224, 1199 well, so I'm glad he's getting the comeback stories due because he is truly um, incredible. Yep, and and so for for those who don't really know as well, Pujols talks about his resurgence and his kind of comeback this season as a byproduct of his time with the Dodgers last year. So in a way, someone who can kind of take credit for Pujols wanting to come back and do this thing one more time is Braves reliever Tyler Matzik, who mm. struck out Pujols on a nasty slider in Pujols' last ever at-bat for the Dodgers. So that's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I threw that as a joke, but but seriously, uh, it, it is it is remarkable well, to see. What is the counterfactual on if he stayed in St. Louis? Uh, honestly, if he would have stayed in St. Louis and continued on that trajectory or on a similar trajectory he would have yeah. he would have been long retired by now cuz he probably would have hit he probably would have hit 700 about 5 Quite years good. ago yeah and he probably would have broken bonds to be yeah. honest he, he probably he probably so, would be sitting on top of the mountain by himself and, and so i will just say going forward so Ruth's at 714 yeah he's so you know bonds and hank aaron are at I don't know. I think Ruth's definitely attainable. Uh, he's done Is after he this year, done? though. He said he's done. He said he's done. He you said he's done. Yeah, regardless. He's, you don't think he'd, he'd reconsider? Yeah, he, like Tom Brenneman, considers himself to be a man of faith. Okay. <laughs> um, no, but, but for real, he said he said he's done. Okay. Uh, regardless of what happens, he said it's in God's hands. So I, I, so. I, I think it's, it's weird because... Um, 
Well, is he? It seems like he's more left to give. So good for him. He does what he wants to do. Now it's kind of weird, just because in some ways it would have been better if they didn't make the playoffs, so he could get a really big proper send off. Now it's like it's going to be weird because he's in the postseason. But yeah, well, just think of think of the last big, ironically also Dominican, but the last big slugger who whose last game was a playoff game is Big Poppy. Oh. And that was kind of an awkward one because they lost a playoff series against the the formerly known as Cleveland Indians in 2016. His last game was that series loss against Cleveland at home. Wow, was that that right? That was his last game. Yeah, game three of the uh, the ALDS in 2016. Like 36, 35. I want to say he was 37. Okay. Maybe I don't know, but the uh-huh. point is, I, I get what you're saying, but it, you know, it, it's just, and, and we've we've made this point before on on this podcast in one episode or another. Sports don't do sentimental; they just don't. And it's, if, cr- but it's great when you get when you get the story. It it is great, obviously, when and, when it happens. Now, so yeah, and it seemed to do with St. Louis. I mean, it, it's a really special story, and I'm so glad the fans are giving them love. I mean, by the way, I mean. Another great thing about baseball, like one of my favorite things is not just comebacks, but older stars like hanging on and 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 not only like maybe beating the young guys, but like having some special moments when they're older and like just um, locking in for a, a sh- certain stretches and like showing what they've got, right? But yeah exciting like it, it's one of the funnest stories when these older players can roll back the clock but and so so with that you have pools you have adam wainwright who's pitching well mm-hmm. very maybe their best pitcher uh you know he's uh him and yadier molina broke that record for most games pitching and catching yep so you've got that obviously you've got freddie freeman the potential for him to play against atlanta choose your Sorry. words carefully about this man Sorry to bring that up, but he's, he's still dead to Braves fans for a year. Oh, he's dead to us for a year, but then he's friend. He's then becomes Fred, uh, franchise icon Freddie Freeman. He's Freddie Freeman, Los Angeles Dodger until next season. No other, <laughs> no other titles associated. World Why? Series champ. No, we don't recognize the World Series title until next year. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay. I'm kidding. Yeah. Well, I mean, um. You know, and then, I mean, there's some more. I mean, if you've just gone, I mean, I think another one, you know, you could say, yeah, I mean, you could say Verlander a little bit. He, he, he's yeah, pretty up there in age. And then, um, you know, just uh, one more you could say would be, you know who else I would, I, I would say on? Not Kershaw, no. Well, that, that's a, that's a good one, Kershaw. Wow. Okay, that's a good that's a good one. Um, Who are you no, gonna say? I, no. Well, you know, I oh God, I don't, I don't know how old he is. So this is probably a bad one. But how old's Rizzo? Anthony Rizzo. Uh, Rizzo's got to be pretty comparable age to Kershaw, I think. Okay, because I mean, he was acting manager yesterday. Which was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> that was really funny. He's 33. He's a year younger than Kershaw. Oh, 
But still, I don't know. It'd be nice to well, see him. But you know what's funny? You know who's the same age as as Clayton Kershaw? Jacob Degrom. Jacob Degrom's really? younger than Clayton Kershaw by like six months. Are you serious? Uh -huh. Who's that old? It's very how, close in age. How old is um? You know, speaking of, I um, he's been injured. But what about Zach Britton? I feel like he's oh, around. Zach Britton. Yeah, he's he's getting up there. I think that'd be nice. Zach Britton is thirty four. Okay, so that's another guy. Same know. age. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. But Wayno, Wayno, Yachty, Pujols, um, for sure, and then Verlander. Those guys as well. Freddie's Freddie's younger than Kershaw. Freddie's yeah. thirty two. So we're not going to put him in that category yet. Um, no, the only no, uh, uh, yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah. okay. The but, only the, um, I, I will just say the one I, doesn't look like it's going to happen. But is Miguel Cabrera free agent anytime soon? I would love to see him go to a team. He still got got something. I mean, he signed that gigantic contract. Okay, let's see. I don't know. How many more years he has? Miguel Cabrera. Let's see what his contract. Uh, see what his contract says. Eight years, two hundred forty-eight million dollars. That was signed. He is a free agent after next year. So maybe if you could play two more years after twenty twenty-three, twenty twenty-four, free agent. Actually, no. Is it after twenty twenty-four? After twenty twenty-four or four? I don't know. He's got a couple years left in his contract. Okay, well, I'd love to see that. I mean, that'd be great. Or, but I think I mean, he's probably nearing nearing the end of his. He's thirty nine. I think he's he's probably at the end of his career as well. He can still hit man. Uh, guy, yeah, he's kind of. <laughs> kinda. I he mean, needs you know. to get he needs to get on one of those uh one of those old old age heaters that Pujols is on. Well, I'll say this. Coming into the season, I would have said it's much more likely Miguel Cabrera puts up these numbers in pools. And how wrong you would have been in saying that. <laughs> oh, man. But, like, look, we we have seen some pretty incredible players in our lifetime, Willie. And it's actually a really good segue into the discussion from our last episode that I texted you earlier today saying that I wanted to rehash. Okay, yeah. And the reason I wanted to rehash it is pretty simple. Yeah. Aaron Judge tied Roger Maris's home run record with 61. Mm -hmm. Aaron Judge is the presumptive Nash, uh, American League MVP, rather not the National League. He's going to win the MVP, whether you agree with it or not. He, yeah, he's the he, That's why I said he's the presumptive American League MVP. Mm -hmm. Here is the problem with the MVP award, mm -hmm. and by the problem, I mean there are several. A, mm -hmm. the people who vote. For most valuable player is a group of 30 writers per year who get to vote on the award now does 30 people yes it is the baseball writers association of america american league mvp award mm -hmm. does that represent the most valuable player does that, that does that give you and, and be honest with me you can say yes or no i won't i won't judge you for answering this either way but does that tell you that it's an accurate representation of most valuable player just 30 people's opinion collectively give you that that answer you think the sample size is too small i think it's way too small because okay. 
Yeah, no, that, that's fair. Yeah, and 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 here here's my here's my kind of argument to why it's too small of a sample size. Uh, all MLB first team is voted on by people around the league, players, coaches, etc. You know who was first team All MVP or all, sorry, first team All MLB last year at third base? Uh, wow. It's, don't don't overthink it. Don't don't, uh, don't overthink it, Willie. Okay. Um, Place for this team. Oh, okay. Austin Riley. Austin Riley. Now, now tell me where Austin Riley finished in MVP voting in 2021. Was he fifth? I wish. That's where he belonged. Sixth or seventh? Seventh. Seventh. So around the league, people think Austin Riley is the best third baseman in baseball. That's, That's what the majority thought. But a group of 30 writers thought that there were six players more valuable to their team than Austin Riley was to his. So, okay, let's look at what the players who were ahead of him did by numbers and by the argument that gets thrown out for Aaron Judge, which is team success. Let's look at the numbers first. Okay, top three in MVP voting in the National League, all of whom had better numbers than Austin Riley. That's mm-hmm. and, and they were far and away better. It's not even like it was close. Soto and Harper both had OPSs around 1,000. Austin Riley was, I think, 898 or maybe like 901 or something like that. It was about a 900 OPS. Theirs were 1,000. 100 points better. WRC better. Way above in wins by replacement. So I'm not making the case that Austin Riley was MVP. I am making the case that by the, by the metric, the, un, the imaginary metric of team success, by that metric, Austin Riley was MVP. Not Juan Soto, team missed the playoffs. Bryce Harper, team missed the playoffs. Fernando Tatis Jr., team missed the playoffs. Not by any of those. Those guys earned it based on their merit, based on their production. Austin Riley did not, based on his production compared to theirs. But his team won its division. Theirs did not. Mm-hmm. That's value. Let's use this for the Aaron Judge Shohei Otani argument. Otani is doing something on both sides of the ball. That has not been done ever in the same season in mm-hmm. back-to-back years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Aaron Judge's team making the playoffs. Shohei Otani's team is not. Okay, so then the difference becomes what is what is making Aaron Judge better? What's making Aaron Judge better is the fact that he's having a triple crown year. He's chasing a home run record. His team's making the playoffs. Oh, but I thought team success didn't matter because overall metrics matter. So my argument is not that Otani should be MVP in this case. That is what I generally think. But that's not for this what my argument is. My argument for this is that Aaron Judge is earning MVP based on the fact that he is having a triple crown winning season and he's chasing a home run record. That's it. Don't throw team success into this argument where team success does not belong if you're going to use team success use it across the board use it every single year don't use it when it fits your narrative that's my that's my art my annoyance with this this argument that he's mvp because his team is doing really well i'm sorry that's not the reason the reason he's making this this chase the reason he's he's mvp he's going to win mvp is because he is the most valuable player and now, another, yeah. The, the issue becomes how you define value. And I think personally, we don't assign pitching 
its proper value relative to what we do for hitting. But and that's for like, nothing entirely. To be honest, if we were going off value, right? Why would Mike Trout win three MVPs? I believe. Exactly. Um, it doesn't get used across the board. That's my issue with the argument of oh, his team's not a playoff team without him. You don't know that. Sure. You don't. You absolutely no. do not know that. Even no, if you I, take wins or replacement and take it out, that's not necessarily true. Because what's I, to say that his replacement isn't also worth that? Yeah, it's in the it's in the night it's in the yeah. title. But d- are you replacing him with someone who's bang average and everyone else around him is doing the exact same? Because if you're assuming that, you're assuming a lot of different things in baseball, and that's it, it's a very dangerous game to play. Where you and I both well, know I think, this. I, I think the WAR. Yeah, I think WAR is a good stat, but I, I think team record itself. I mean, you know, players themselves can have rarely any influence over. A huge amount of record, I, I would say. Yeah, and um, and 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 this goes for this this goes for starting pitchers win yeah. lost records. Every time that gets thrown into a Cy Young award conversation, I want to take this baseball and throw it through my window, not just yeah, out the window. I want to break the window because it is so infuriating to hear someone use an antiquated stat that may have not may have absolutely nothing to do with that pitcher themselves. Like Jacob Degrom won the Cy Young Award with a ten and nine record a few years ago. Yeah, Rick Porcello won a Cy Young because his team scored a billion runs behind him, and he had like a three and a half ERA. I can't believe Rick Porcello won it. That was the most undeserving Cy Young Award I've ever seen in my life, at least that I can remember. Yeah. So. Oh, and McKenzie's eleven eleven. Yeah, but what's his ERA like? Two and a half. Two point nine nine. That's still that's good. Yeah. That's really good. That's the point. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so you and I are on the same page with this. Basically, the whole reason I get so heated about this this judge MVP thing is that a the idea of team success as a result of this player doesn't get used across the board. Doesn't get used every year. It only gets used when a certain narrative is around. Which, if you're going to use it every year, fine. But do it. Be consistent. No, That's I all I'm asking. Honestly, I think baseball is a different sport. I think basketball and really basketball, you know, an MVP can really heavily influence like the game. And I think team success typically does like team success in NBA MVP voting is a huge factor um, because, and you know, and, and a part is that, you know, you have to usually you have to hit a certain number of wins kind of, unless they give it to you and you got to play a certain number of games and then it'll be, it's different because, Players only bat maybe four or five times a game. Pitcher, a starting pitcher is only going to pitch one five, uh, once every five days, typically. So I agree. I look. I think it's up to me. Would you say I think just team success shouldn't even factor in the? No, equation? absolutely not. I don't think it should. Absolutely yeah. not. So and and now I will say, yeah. Now what I will say too, and here's also the other interesting thing, which is um. I, 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 so yeah, I, I'm on the same page. I don't think team success should matter. I agree with the consistency. Now, I think that, that narratives, I don't like the fact in sports, when it strictly comes to MVP, that narratives give too much because I, I think there can really be, particularly in the NBA, you see it a lot. I mean, there's just, there's too many weird conventions like in the nba rarely do guys ever get it three times in a row um 
or you know, oh, this guy won it last year. You see him as like, oh, so we're not going to give it to. So, but I will say, I think so. And in some ways, there's so to me, this is what's interesting, right? Mm. So, and this is maybe a hot take in itself, okay? But like the triple crown is not only. You know, and look, he's going to win RBIs. He's going to win home runs. It's the, by the way, on a, I did predict a couple of years ago how good Luis Rise would be. I think I might have predicted him to win the bag title would be like an MVP. Literally, you may have won. done that this year. I don't know. Well, anyways, see, I don't think it was this year. Mm. Maybe it was. Maybe it was. But anyways, he, uh, he's you know he could beat Judge. I think Judge is now two points behind him. Yeah, he, Arise took the lead. But, took the lead today. Oh my. But what I was going to say is that for me, the it, it, this is going to sound weird, but it's not just the fact. What's almost more impressive to me, and this is why I really think Judge should win the MVP, is it's not just the fact that he should win Triple Crown, which on its own I think is enough or close, or the fact that he's in the record. Now, I pulled up these stats again because I knew we were going to be talking about this. Is the fact that really... Um, for the most part, if you look at every stat, like, you know, just the basic stats, RBIs, home runs, OPS, he is, for the most part, there might be like one guy there, but he's way ahead of the rest of the league. And when you're that much better relative to others, I think that's what does it. Like, the fact that for most stats, like OPS and I heard someone say this, screen, but like I looked up too, like he he's winning uh, Jordan Alvarez right there, but there's no one even close to those two. So it's the fact that, and and look, guys in this PN to give him credit, talk about this, but in, a, in a fact, when offense is doing so terribly, that he is excelling so much, it's that relative gap. So what Otani's done is absolutely incredible, but I think when you're just so dominant compared to everyone else and maybe one thing I think that that warrants. And but what I will say and, and people point this out is that to his credit, it takes an record breaking all time great season to not have Otani with him. Because I think if we're looking at it objectively, what this shows is that in pretty much any other season Otani should win MVP. I just think specifically this year Judge should win. Yeah. So so here's here's my thing. I don't I don't think Judge is undeserving. Judge mm-hmm. is deserving. He's I said it at the beginning of this segment. He is the presumptive American League MVP. Here's my issue with it. <coughs> yeah. The the argument that he is head and shoulders above anyone else is I think an inherently flawed argument. Hmm. Because I'm looking right now on fan graphs. I'm looking at the F war for pitchers in Major League Baseball. Okay. Mm-hmm. Otani's got an ear. I have like 250. It's like incredible. Yeah. But here, here's F war. Okay. okay. This, is, this is wins above replacement for yeah. pitchers yeah. based on fan graphs. You, you want to know who the top five are, Willie? Top five. Pitchers? Uh, okay. And pitchers. Top five and wins above replacement for pitchers. Yeah, okay. DeGrom? Nope. No. Verlander? Nope. No, yeah, Verlander's three. Alcantara? 
Alcantara's five. Okay, who else is there? Um... Who would be in there? Where are the other two? So, one through five, F4, Otani. pitchers. No, no, Otani's not on this list, and that's the problem. Okay. Top five at F4, Willie. Aaron Nola, number one. Aaron Nola is good. Carlos Rodon, number two. Oh, yeah, Carlos Rodon. Justin Verlander, number three. Kevin Gossman, number four. Sandy Alcantara, number five. Yeah. Your guy Shane Bieber's number seven behind Max Fried of the Atlanta Braves. Dylan Cease, Zach Gallant, and Logan Webb round out the top ten. Okay, so so that's that's F four. I love uh, Zach Gallant's uh, sunglasses. That's that's F four for pitchers, Willie. Yeah. Now, can you tell me who on that list mm-hmm. is a better pitcher than Shohei Otani? Well, I, I I would argue that that's. I I don't think you could argue. I think you could argue both sides. Like, could you argue it's wrong that those guys are at him in F4? Yeah. So all those pitchers you pitched, who would you take out? Nola and Rodon and Gossman Why? as well. Why? Because they don't, they're, they're not, Nola's ERA is 336. Kevin Gossman's 330. Right. And they have good FIPs. Kevin Gossman's FIP is two, he has a really good FIP, as does Aaron Nola. Their expected FIPs a little higher, which expected FIPs are just generally higher. Well, but Sandy Alcantara's FIP is three oh six. Well, that and that's that's that's. I don't know. I think it really depends on how the formula is calculated because I, I don't I don't know how Fangraphs WAR is calculated. But um, I'd be interested. I think it comes back to the formula, and if you could agree on it, whether you agree or disagree on on what goes into the formula, right? Yeah. Because I I, I I think you know you know what I mean. Yeah, no, it's, it's, look, it, it, all of this, this conversation about combining war, it goes into how you calculate it. Now, B war and F war are going to be pretty similar. It's just basically for those who aren't, aren't as familiar, it's, it's two different websites with the way they calculate wins above replacement. And every, every team has their own assessment of, of war, which is basically how much, how many wins is this player worth if you take him out of a team? How many, yeah. if you put yeah. the next, replacement in there an average replacement in there how many wins are they giving you so that's the that's the basis of it but that's the thing you can't properly measure accurately the combined wins above replacement that a player like Shohei Otani who let's let's look at a perfect inning for Otani and a perfect inning for Aaron Judge perfect inning for Aaron Judge looks like what solo home run assuming assuming there's no one ahead of him okay there's no one else can influence this outcome Okay. Right. No one. No one can influence these outcomes. We're holding that he, constant he, between these he two. Has defense this season. What's up? He's played some center. No, field. I'm. 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 I'm getting to both sides of the ball, right? So. Okay. So here's the. Here's what mm. each player, Shohei Otani and Aaron Judge, can do by themselves. No other players mm. involved. Perfect inning is a sh- is a solo home run, and three putouts. That's for Aaron Judge. Solo mm. homer, three putouts. Mm-hmm. So defensively, you're recording three outs. Offensively, yeah. you're not recording it out and you're scoring a run. You're driving yourself in. Yeah. For Shohei Otani, what does that same inning look like? What does a perfect inning look like? Well, a perfect inning looks like three strikeouts because the ball's not going in play at all and a home run. Yeah. So mm. basically, you're telling me that 
this whole season, what Aaron Judge does on an inning-by-inning basis is head and shoulders above what Otani has done on an innings-by-innings basis. No, I, I agree with your point that it's not, it's not head and shoulders. It's, I mean, it's, it's for, for me personally, I mean, I, I, I'm not, I'm wrong. Judge is going to win MVP, but it's razor thin. It, I mean, it is a coin flip to, to, to win, who wins MVP. Obviously, the narrative is, oh, Judge plays on a playoff team. He's chasing Roger Maris's record. He's in contention for the Triple Crown. He should win it. Okay, well, how many innings pitched does he have? How many strikeouts does he have? How many home runs has he given up? How many home runs has he hit while being a pitcher on days that he pitches? Mm-hmm. It, it's it's it, the reason that we can't accurately do this is because we've never had this problem before in baseball because there's only been one player who's successfully ever been able to hit and pitch effectively at the highest level for a whole season. One in history. And to me personally, I don't think we're appreciating his greatness as enough as, enough as we should. I no. don't think we're fully appreciating Shohei Otani's greatness. Oh, so I, I think that. Um, so I will say this: I will say that he's definitely gotten overshadowed uh, because of Aaron Judge, for sure. Like Aaron Judge is stealing the the attention, and um, obviously nothing against Otani, but Aaron Judge, I think the excitement of like a home run chase because there's something like really every night to follow i, I think it, it's still in the attention i think what it, i think it's going to be really telling next season because you know we obviously it's very hard to figure out uh how much because we've never had to deal with the situation where a guy you know i wasn't alive for babe ruth but you know we've never had to deal with the situation for for a two-way player like this it's going to be really telling next season, right? You know, how much if he's having similar pitching and hitting numbers. And then then I think we could say, you know, we need to rethink how or we need to really evaluate him differently or, or you know, think about the, this, the how we value pitching and batting too. Um, and we we do need this season. I do agree he's been underappreciated. But like you said, Judge is very deserving. And um, just like we talked about with Pujols, I mean, I'm not sure we'll ever see his home run record or the Triple Crown be done in our lifetime, right? Last time was Yastrzemski in, what, the 60s? Yeah. So, the, you know, that that's... And Cabrera. I don't know. It's, it's like one of those things where I, I agree with both points, right? On one yeah. hand, I totally agree that we don't appreciate Otani enough as a baseball player. On the other hand, um, I do think judges' attention. By the way, I will say, I, to be fair, it's a very small sample size. I did watch Otani, a clip of him playing golf, and I did, didn't think his, uh, he didn't hit the ball very well. No. Maybe he needs to improve his golf swing. Yeah. That's- apparently, <laughs> apparently he's, he was swinging right. I think I've seen that same video. He's swinging yeah. right-handed, and he should be swinging left-handed. Oh, that's interesting. Do you think that's, that's apparently that's apparently why? You think it's, he's trying to protect his pitching arm or something? I I couldn't tell you honestly. Oh. But okay. anyway, this this Otani versus Judge debate is going to be annoying so, until like, they announce MVP. Let's talk, but let's talk about Judge for a second. I just want to say this. Yeah. Now, it's unfair because of pools, but I will say this. Um. 
I mentioned bonds before. Um, so there's two two questions I want to ask you. Number one, do you think there will ever be this much excitement around fan excitement around one accomplishment and like the chase for it and the season long story in baseball again? Because I don't think like Pujols is a, I think is a better accomplishment, but I don't think that there's been as it'll be hard pressed to find as much excitement as there was going forward about anything as this, do you think so? And just every game tuning in, is he going to hit, is it going to hit 61? Now is he going to hit 62? And you know, it, it'd be a home run. Do you think there'll ever be something in our lifetime that will reach this amount of excitement for one player? And, and that might be unfair because what you said, Otani's doing incredible, but it's hard because there, it's just one thing, right? Where it's when it's one thing, I guess it's easier to follow. That makes sense. Yeah, you know? I I guess. I mean, again, I I think it's to to simplify it down to will we see something as exciting as that in our lifetime? I think it just it discounts what Otani is is continuing to the do on a nightly saying, basis. But I, I guess what's it's I guess it's just easier to follow. Not to, like what Otani is doing is probably even more impressive for well, sure. What's but what's in other words? What I, I guess what I'm saying is like. You tune in every night, and as a fan, you're like, you're wanting him to break the home run record. And you're, you're every game, it's like, is he going to hit a home run? How close is he going to get? Whereas with Otani, it's, there's not one record he's chasing. It's just, oh, okay, it's amazing. He pitched really well. You know what I mean? It's like, you know what I mean? It's like, I feel like if you're trying to specifically break a record, it, it just gets a little more... Yeah, that's that's fair. It's it's a record of doing one thing, and and you know there's, yeah. I don't think there's there's another, you know there's very few, in in sports, very yeah. few terms that get just so ingrained into our 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 just general lexicon yeah. as as humans, mm-hmm. as home run, touchdown, slam dunk. Hole in one points, yeah. Totally. You, know, you know, but but there's you know it's it's not just a it's not just a a run scored in baseball. It's a home run. It's one right. guy hits the ball over the fence, or hits the ball and he runs all the way around the bases before yeah, they can throw him out. Things like that. It's a singular thing, yeah. So by by that or a strikeout. That's why the NBA was so big when Steph Curry broke the three point record. Right. Or, or I don't want to say big because that's doing discredit to the time, but just. You know, it, it's followed singularly. It's easier to follow. Yeah, right? and, and you know, in some ways, that's why Otani hit forty-six home runs. I think last season that was yep. just so he's definitely underappreciated. I mean, it's it's yeah. So I yeah. still I you know I would say yeah he's underappreciated, but I, I I don't I don't know. I think the only thing that that could really rival this would be I mean the only record that I th- I think we haven't really come close to anyone touching in our lifetimes is um dimaggio's i think oh i think I that's just... the only other one that hasn't really been oh. touched okay because i mean well i was gonna say depending on what you think about barry bonds it's, it's bonds is well you know, and aaron judge I, even says bonds still has the record say, i think actually i i um so the dimaggio hitting streak that would take a life on its own the one record which hasn't been touched as well as uh, Nolan Ryan strikeout record, no one's gotten yeah. even. Which would be, but I mean, that's that's we we also live in the we also I mean we're in the era where guys where pitcher 
pitchers facing lineups third time through is no, frowned but, upon by, right, by half is, of the teams which, in baseball. Right, right. And, and you know, you could also argue, you know, judge plays in a short porch, right? So maybe that uh, – yeah, no, totally. Um, uh, you know. Yeah, and, I don't know. The balls these days are juiced, but um, no. <laughs> Ugh, MLB catching strays. Now, this leads me to the second point, Owen, which I, I was really curious, and I yeah. would love to do a whole steroid era podcast with you, but this leads me to it's this really weird situation where Bonds has the single season, you know, home run record. Um, obviously, Aaron Judge is going through the record. Um, but this leads me to, to, to ask, I think that fans seem to be split and I could be wrong. I haven't done a survey where some people view this accomplishment as like, he's having the single greatest power season ever because Bond took steroids. And some people think, well, what Bonds did was still incredible and it doesn't matter. Like he did it. So how, how do you feel about Barry Bonds? in the context of everything because i think that's really interesting so i have i have several thoughts on barry bonds and yes like you said i do want to get on to a couple other topics we have time for hot takes as well but i'll keep it short when i was a kid didn't like barry bonds because i thought steroids was cheating and it, i mean it is but i thought you know oh he's he's awful for taking steroids you should have done that and blah, blah 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 the older you get the more you realize everyone in that area was doing steroids mm-hmm. like literally everyone was doing it i don't care how many how many people claimed to have passed every drug test you could not tell me that someone was not doing something beyond the rules of the game to gain an an unfair competitive advantage you can't tell me that you can't tell me that you can't go through the hall of fame for every pitcher who pitched in barry bonds era and say every single one of them each one of them didn't either take a steroid or use some sort of unidentified foreign substance to give them an unfair competitive edge you can't and, I mean, go ahead and do that. Sure. It's going to take you a lifetime. And I, I think that's what, you know, what's interesting about what you just said is that um, maybe it wasn't like this when they were playing, but, you know, Maguire and Sosa have hit several seasons where they're 60 plus and um, it's the same thing there. And, I, you know, you know, they, I guess maybe their record now looks better too, right? Because you can't tell me not everyone was doing it, right? But, but it is weird because Judge and Roger Maris, like, after, if you just get rid of, um, you know, Maguire and Sosa, and um, for, if we're talking about single-season home runs, like, you could argue that, um, you know, Aaron Judge, you know, it did does have the single greatest record, assuming he's not juicing himself. Well, you know who, who says... Uh... You know what Aaron Judge says about who has the record, right? Who does he say? You know who Aaron Judge says? Who? Barry Bonds. Oh, he says that. He himself said Barry Bonds has the all-time record. Politically correct. That's that's what he thinks. Because if he's a Yankee, if, 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 like, Roger Maris Jr., Roger Maris' son says that Aaron Judge would have the all-time record by himself. Yeah, well... But Aaron Judge doesn't agree. Aaron Judge says it's Barry Bonds. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, I think it's more up to no. Okay, fair, fair. He can so, say that it might be valid. Yeah. Uh, but and you know there but, was something about the yeah. Go ahead. But no. But here, here's the other thing I was going to say about Barry Bonds, Willie. 
Um, yeah. How many did Maguire hit when he broke the record? 61? 65. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and how many did Sammy Sosa hit? 63. Okay. And they were doing steroids and or cheating, were they not? Correct. Okay. So they... Now remind me, by have... the way, as a point of clarification, sorry. Yeah. Sosa did take steroids. Yeah. He did. He did. Yeah. I think he also used a cork bat. Which yeah, I, I was remember part the cork. I do remember. That was, that was funny. That was I remember really watching that like live. Literally. Yeah. But they, they just split the bat open. It was like, but wait sorry, a minute. Go ahead. Uh, what were you going to say? Um, yeah. So, so they, they did that. And their records are also deemed illegitimate by baseball purists. So why is Barry Bonds the only name that's coming up? Because he was better well, than I them. Think, so now, now here's what I would say. And I could be wrong. Um, but I think part of it's just because how good Bonds was. And wanna, there you go. Not, maybe rightfully so. I don't know. It depends. No right or wrong. But, you know, also I think the, you know, I could be wrong about this. It feels like there's much more information about what Bonds was doing out there, even though he's never been proven to take steroids. I, I never failed a drug test. Never failed drug test. I think that Barry Bonds was like when Balco came out. Like I think, I think there's just more information about Bonds out there, and so I think Game of Shadows and all that. Like I think that we just know more about Bonds, and maybe that's why. I could be wrong. Yeah, but um, yeah. I mean, look, we could talk about Barry Bonds. And and the legitimate the illegitimacy of his records, depending on who you ask, for for years. I mean, people we have been talking about it since since the the Balco scandal came to light and and since he retired. But I will say this though about about Barry Bonds, and really about every other player in that era, Willie, and the eras before. Okay, the people who came from the the quote unquote clean eras. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to read you a number, Willie. I want to read you a number. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I want you to guess what this number is. Mm-hmm. I want you to guess what this number represents. Yeah. And I'm somewhat stalling so I can pull it up because I want to. I want the actual figure itself to be public knowledge. Thank okay. you. If, if this page wants to load, that would be great because the number is very important. Um. All right, you ready for this number, Willie? Mm-hmm. Forty-three point three million. Is that the record for a single season contract? Correct. Correct. Guess who's who's earning this this contract, Willie? Stan? No. Uh, I'll give you a hint. He pitches on Saturday. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, uh, Scherzer. Correct. Max Scherzer in 2022 is making $43.3 million. Million. That's... One year. Max Scherzer is 38 years old. If you can make the case that you can go back in time to any generation that proclaims to have played the game the right way, played it clean, or would have played it clean, 
had they had access to performance enhancing drugs and or other things to give themselves an unfair competitive advantage. Mm. Could you reasonably tell me that in the presence of performance enhancing drugs or any other unfair competitive advantage <laughs> that any of those players, knowing this kind of money is on the line, knowing $43.3 million per year for a 38-year-old power pitcher is on the line, would not do the exact same thing that Barry Bonds did, that Mark McGuire did, that Sammy Sosa, et cetera, et cetera. Well, Can you no, reasonably say that they would not have done the exact same thing? Because well, I think that's a it's a ludicrous argument to think that in the presence of multi-generational wealth mm. that players would not do the exact same thing. Well, I, I think there's an argument to say that. Uh, then again, people might feel really ethically against it, so someone might internally. But, like, you can't automatically dismiss it. Exactly. That's it's It's a huge motivator. Look at look at live look at live golf. In the stories in the steroid era about hitters, it's like, and that's the worst part about it, where it's like, it's not only that you won't in the steroid era, like it's not that you not that only that you wouldn't maybe get the huge contract, but like you could be like if you're everyone else is doing it, you could be like out of a job or like you know go exactly. from the average like the below average. So you know, total. I, I think. I think you bring up a great you bring up a great point there, but it's 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 you know Literally, I don't know it's, it's also like how like it's look it's the same argument in some ways as like the um, now that there's so many NIL deals in college it's like do you feel differently that players are being paid like against the rules like one hand you could argue. Morally, they should have always been paid. On the other hand, people were knowingly breaking the rules. So, you know, it's interesting. Um, yeah, we, they, we could get into this for, for hours and hours, but it basically comes down to... Quick. Go ahead, go ahead. It just, it just comes down to, do you trust human integrity? And my answer, personally, in the presence of a, multi, in, in a multi-billion dollar industry is no. Yeah, that's, and that's, that's fine, because... Yeah. Because we as humans are imperfect, we we suffer from things that economists can't build into models. Mm. You and I know, Willie, economics is based on assumptions that humans are rational actors. Humans are yeah. not rational actors when in yeah. the presence of multi-generational wealth. It's sure. just not true. No, that, that's fair. Um, one last thing, Owen, I, yeah. I do real quick and then we can move on. Um, just where, where do you think Judge ends up next season? Uh, right off the bat, I think Judge plays for the San Francisco Giants. That's the name everyone's saying, which I guess why would he... I, I guess why would you... Well, that's a bit of a homecoming. If money in, in New York, why would he not stay with... Well, I mean, it's a bit of a homecoming. He, if he break, I mean, assuming he breaks Maris's record, he has his place in Yankee lore, regardless of whether or not he wins a championship. And... He he gets to play closer to home. Giants have flexibility. He grew up a Giants fan. I mean, they're a worse team though. That's true. But what's to say he makes? What's to say he doesn't make them better? What's to say they don't get better in the offseason? They have payroll. They have they have a lot of money coming off the books this year. Yeah, no, okay. I think uh, Longoria, Crawford, Belt, and Jock Peterson. That's a pretty yeah. sizable chunk of money. Huge, yeah. Took a Longoria. Um, yeah. yeah. So no, I don't know. I think that, he plays. What do you What do you the, think? Do you think he stays in New York? No, I, I think you're right. I think so. San Francisco? Yeah. I mean, I would be 
very upset if he switched to the other New York team. Because we know Steve Cohen has that kind of money. Yes, he does. Yeah, um, well, I don't know. I, I would feel bad because I don't know how the Yankees fans would feel about that one. Oh, that they would, be... would hate him forever. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Burning uh, his jersey all up and down the streets of New York. I hope not. <laughs> um, <laughs> baseball is crazy, Willie. That's why we love it. And we have a a roller coaster of an end of the season in store. I personally can't wait. I mean, I'm a little I'm a little nervous. I'm not going to lie just cuz having to go up against the trio of DeGrom, Scherzer, and Bassett in that order does not sound appealing even yeah. with Freed, Morton, and Kyle Wright, or Freed Wright and Kyle uh, Freed Kyle Wright and Charlie Morton in that order is to come for Atlanta. Sure. Switching gears a little bit. The US men's national team played their last game before the World Cup starting on November 20th. As we've talked about on the show, I have very mixed feelings about this World Cup. Uh, it's one of the World Cups that I can remember that I just don't care about at all. And seeing this result against Saudi Arabia was basically just fuel for that fire for me. I know you probably have thoughts and I want to give you the floor because you follow yeah. the men's national team a lot closer than I do, especially in the wake of the 2018 debacle. So I will toss it over to you. Take us away, Willie. Yeah, so I'm I'm opposite in the sense that I, um, obviously, the human rights issues is so terrible. From a pure football's perspective, I mean, I love club soccer so much, but I absolutely love the World Cup and try to watch almost every game if I can. So I can't wait. The countdown is coming up. I really really love it, and I'm very interested in it. A lot of interesting storylines. But uh, to keep it quick, um. The U.S. played against Japan, lost 2-0, tied Saudi Arabia 0-0. The, they, they had two unexplainable performances. And Number one, and um, thinking about this a lot, listening to a lot, I will admit I was wrong, and I, I was, I've been seduced by this team because of in World Cup qualifying, there was flashes of really good, flashes of really good pressing. Flashes of really good defense, flashes of really dominance in the midfield, flashing of some good attacking play, um, flashes of some possession. But it's become really clear to me that Greg Berhalter is not the guy. Um, the system really is not maximizing the team. It's it's, and I think we I've come to the conclusion that no matter how we do in the World Cup, there's still enough talent there. We can still get out of the group. Um, he's not the guy we're really underachieving um, as a collective. And, um, you know, the second thing that I have is that I'm just confused. And I, I, I mean, I really worry because I've never seen not only performances under Berhalter's tenure that were so bad, but where we looked so flat and so poor. And, you know, in soccer, when when confidence becomes an issue, that's a big problem. And I'm very worried about what about what I saw because if there's no spirit and if the team is that poor, we have no chance. So it's terrible. Yeah. Um, my stance on this, Willie, as you know, always goes back to the same sort of self-inflicted narrative that 
it's kind of this whole, it feels like it's give the ball to Christian Pulisic and just hope our problems go away. Yeah, the and attack. Regardless of who's on the field, that always seems like it's the problem with the U.S. Like, oh, he's coming back from injury. He'll be he'll, he'll be fit enough to play half an hour. Oh, he was coming back from he's yeah. he's just off this this stretch of games with Chelsea. He'll be so good for us. Let's just give him the ball. It's like that's that's taking away from the talent that we have, and I don't think people are st- still to this day realizing that it's a problem. Well, I think, I I mean, I'll say a couple things real quick. Number one, um, the team's attack is really troubling. I don't know if, you know, how we're going to be able to score goals from open play because there's just so many problems with the system. It's just a very stale 4-3-3. You know, as people pointed out, there's no number 10. There's no maybe switching to a 3-5-2 and playing with two strikers. There's no help for the striker at all. But the other thing, like you said, is, is look, um, the team is very reliant on Plissick. Plissick tries to do too much. A lot of ways, he doesn't stay high and wide. He kind of drops back to the ball. But, you know, not only that, he's just very out of form at the moment. And so um, we really don't have much, you know, because if you're, you know, we really don't have much to attack and we really, really need to get going so yeah it's we try to he tries to give him if you know to involve we try to rely on him but there's also so many issues with players out of form and structural issues with the system that we just you know i don't know how we're going to score many goals from open play it's very very tough yeah and And it, it makes you wonder what and, and, you know, ultimately, I will just say this. A lot of it really comes back to the manager because there are so many systematic things where if you change the formation to get more attacking help, maybe if you, if the press, maybe if you even looked at, we played more of a counterattacking style and there's more space. It's just, it really feels like the manager has underachieved here big time in the way they played. And it doesn't matter how they do. I'm, I'm convinced that, unless somehow they like manage to rapidly change and like look great and go to like semifinals, like they'd have to pull off a miracle for me to be convinced that, that we're not maximized, that we're maximizing. the Yeah. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, Willie, but Mm -hmm. this sounds very reminiscent of the problem, the supposed problem with the U S men's national team. When Jurgen Klinsmann, was fired. It's very reminiscent uh, well, of that. I would say not, 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 um, I would say that. I would say that, um, when Klinsman was fired, Klinsman, we had lost the first two games of World Cup qualifying. We had went on a big run where we had, lost a bunch of games, like even before qualifying, like we were in bad form, tying or losing a bunch of games. And I could be wrong, but um, there is some talk that he kind of lost the dressing room. And here, who knows, maybe Berhalter did, but the U.S. wasn't in as bad form. And I think, I think the problem, and people pointed this out, is that the U.S. has played just well enough where, quote-unquote, the, you know, the cracks have been... Um, hidden mm. 
So it's not like the team, like this is the first time where we've been just downright poor. But it's like the team has has struggled, but hasn't has been good enough to the point where it's not so blatantly obvious that the manager is the problem. And so I think he is. I could be wrong, but but yeah, I would say there is some differences in the way Klinsman exited. Yeah, it. You know, we we could honestly spend a lot of time talking about this, but I do want to. I do want to kind of get us toward the the conclusion last of this episode. Thing, thing, but there's a well-known stat out there. I just want to say how yeah. incredible this is. In the Japan game that the US in their own half of the field turned the ball over over 50 times in the first half. Like that is absolutely staggering. I to be fair, I don't know what normally does, but I'm pretty sure if you watch the high-level club soccer game, it would be not not nearly that many. Let's just say. Yeah, it'd be a lot lower. Yeah. Um, I wanted to I wanted to end this segment, Willie, just by asking you really quickly your thoughts on how far the U.S. can realistically go at the World Cup, and how far realistically we will go. So potential versus what you actually think is going to happen. Sure. Um. Yeah, no, that's a good question. So potential, I think. Based on the draw and and the way we've looked at times in qualifying, I think quarterfinals. And and if like if you'd asked me, I'd kind of been feeling that a little bit before these last two forms. So I think potential is quarterfinals. I actually don't think the draw. Um, Netherlands look really good, but um, I think that you know if we got out of the group, you know Netherlands and Senegal, Ecuador, Qatar, they're all tough, but they're not you know the top of the top. So I think quarterfinals. Um, now I've said this before. I've had this, I had this gut feeling before I even said this, but I honestly don't think we're going to get out of the group. I think Iran's a lot better than people think. I, I think Wales is going to get out of the group, even though they themselves lost two games. Um, so I don't think we'll get out of the group. And I will just say that Iran tied Senegal the other day in a friendly. Like Iran is really, really good. Yeah, better than people think. You think? Yeah, and and that's why people say they're they're a really good team. They were Asia's best team in qualifying, and they have some really good strikers. And um, you know, look, a lot of people have this conception that we have an easier group and by rank, by average ranking the US group's the toughest. So whether you whatever you make of the FIFA rankings, I think the group with Brazil in it's the toughest group with Brazil, Switzerland, Serbia, and Cameroon. But you just go based on the numbers, the US has the toughest group. So I don't I don't think we'll make it out. But I'm very hopeful and uh, we'll see. Well as as you well know I'm pretty pessimistic about the U.S. men's national team with Burhalter in charge, so I'll I'll leave it. I'll leave your your prediction to be to be how how I predict it as well. Okay. But there is one last thing we need to do, Willie, before we end the show. Okay. One last segment, folks. You all know it. You love it. It is our hot take segment. This yeah. is the last bit of every show. Where, as you are, uh, as I hope you're aware, or if you're not aware. We rip off the most absurd, crazy, out of left field takes yeah. in the uh, hopes by the that way, I one just of. I want to say that uh, 
I did have a hot take a couple weeks or maybe a few weeks ago, and I, I said that Tennessee would beat Alabama, and that's looking possible right now. Well, because they beat Florida? Because they're really good. <laughs> they're really okay. good. They're like a top team, and they have an incredible offense. And Alabama doesn't look great like they should. Well, we'll, we'll see when the time comes, though. Yeah. But, All um, right. Yeah, go ahead on. Yeah. Uh, I actually want to give you the floor tonight because okay. I have my hot take, which I think could probably break the internet. Wow. Okay. All right. So I'll go first. And I'm just going to real quick jot them down because uh, I, I'm, yeah, I'm very curious. Okay. Yeah, go for it. So the, the first one is, okay, first one is I, I'm going to pick Napoli to win the Champions League. Na- oh, wow. I'm going to go with Napoli. <laughs> they, so they, they have so much talent in the attack. And, uh, you know, they don't even have Osimhen right now because he's injured, but. Simeone and Raspadori and um, the incredible winger, which I don't know how to properly say his name. I'm sorry. So I'm going to go Napoli. Wow. Okay. okay. That's that's a yeah. ball, a ballsy right. one. Number two, based upon what I saw this past week, this this hot take is a long-term one, but I, I'm going to pick the uh, U.S. to lose the next President's Cup. I think it'll happen. Oh, next presence that is a long-term one but i i like it we saw the emergence of uh, the legend known as tom kim for the internationals yeah incredible uh i i don't hate that one i really don't hate it i always i was low-key rooting for them a little bit this time just because like i like the i like the international team i like some of the guys they have uh cam davis honorary member of sahali i think yeah so yeah no notorious good guy so oh for sure yeah, look, I was I was rooting for the U.S., but I I you know I I wouldn't have minded if the international team won. Yeah, as I would never mind. But yeah, then um the the la- the um yeah. Anyway, sorry. Okay. No, no, go ahead. Good. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. It's okay. So um, the last one is that I think that this is. This is very okay. I, I shouldn't stop. Um, I'm going to say that the Mets are going to mildly fall apart, like the rest of the season. Meaning, they will uh, get dominated in the Braves series. Will lose a couple games in the last series and lose in the in the first series they play in the postseason. Whether they end up winning the division or not is independent of what the Braves do. I'm going to predict that the the Mets starting tomorrow go on a skid that lasts for the rest of their season and then the season ends either in the divisional round or the first round based upon where they're seeing. Wow. Interesting. I'm um, that's more wishful thinking. I'm more just thinking of what it takes can be cool, but we'll see. I mean the way I see that one is mostly it's mostly it's for me, it's it's also very wishful thinking, but it's also just like, well, be be nice if that happened. The Braves could win another division and not have to worry about the Mets in the playoffs, so they can play the Dodgers in peace. Um, yeah, I think that's the rematch that we all deserve as baseball fans. Braves, Braves, Dodgers. Braves, Dodgers. Give Dodgers home field advantage and see who wins. Yeah, I mean, it, the only be- bummer is the only bummer is it's it's 
if they the Braves got the wild card, which they probably will, then they're gonna play in five game series. Yeah, and the Dodgers will probably sleep. Will probably sweep that one. Yeah. Well, no. I. <laughs> well, I mean, because you have to play three games in LA, so. But is it? Two, it's two. two oh, it's, one. it's two two one. Yeah, but it, which, if the Braves want to win, they'd have to play three games in LA, which the yeah, Braves which, don't play well out here. I don't know what it is. Oh, that's fair. All right. What's your uh, What's your my hot take uh so i initially prefaced it by saying that i thought it might break the internet but now it doesn't seem that spicy of a take Mm. um but it does involve the dodgers and it actually kind of contradicts one of my takes now which is um or one of my takes from from earlier in the year before the year started i think this was when steve cohen took over the mets Maybe mm-hmm. it was shortly thereafter. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I think it's just when it became common knowledge that Jacob Degrom was probably going to opt out of his contract. So, in mm-hmm. 2023, before the season starts, before Major League Baseball season starts, the Los Angeles Dodgers are going to have, at a minimum, the option to sign mm-hmm. both Jacob Degrom oh and gosh. Shohei Otani. When's Otani's contract up again? Uh, I think it's after. I think he has a year or two of arbitration, uh, but I I think there's no way he he stays with the Angels next year. I think he's as good as traded. It's just finding finding him a good team and and getting him to agree to go to that team. Yeah, he has one more year of arbitration, and then he is an unrestricted free agent before the 2024 season. So. Okay. Here's what I'll say. Um, that's very interesting. Oh, now, no. I, say, I, I didn't finish my take, though. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. no. My take is that they're going to have the option to sign both DeGrom it, and Otani. And choose none? And they're going to end up with neither one of them. Wow. And how do you see that playing out? Well... You say, wait, to be clear. When you say option, do you mean, though, they'll be the front runners? It's up to them? Yes. Or, like... They'll have the chance. Okay. They'll have the chance to sign both. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I think De- it's pretty widely known that Degrom is going to opt out. I think he's even he's even gone as far as I don't know if he said it for sure. Like Correa definitely said it. Uh, I don't know if Degrom has said it, but the consensus is in baseball circles that he's going to opt out. And he said mm-hmm. he wants to stay a Met, and the Mets can afford it. But but Dodgers are going to have some payroll flexibility starting in 2023 and that's not a that's not a thought that every other major well, team wants to hear. Well, here's here's an interesting. So I I don't know, the big question comes down to the Dodgers are a little bit tricky because first of all, DeGrom's 34, right? So as by the way, it's it's really sad because I don't think he's gotten the Attention, he he could because the Mets for a large part of his you know time there haven't been other than that one big run they yeah, had. Yeah, his um his first full season, I think they went to the World Series. Yeah, that was that was it, and that's it. Garden, those guys. Um, so it's really sad, but um, you know he's up there in age. I will say, Dodgers, they're gonna have to pay Bueller a lot in two years if they want to keep him. Now his injuries, the value might have diminished, but um, that's an interesting one. I. I would say, look, they're much more likely to sign Otani than DeGrom because do you want to give a huge contract to a pitcher in his mid-30s with elbow problems when you when 
and probably at the expense of Bueller. Well, they were probably thinking the same thing with uh, Max Scherzer, or the Mets are probably thinking the same the same thing with Max Scherzer. But Max Scherzer changed that he changed the Mets from fringe playoff team to World Series contender. No, you're right. So, I, so why, and, why and the Dodgers not- are already World Series favorites. No, you're right. So, so why are they not going to get either of them? What's your so my thinking is that he's going to Jacob DeGrom is going to ask for the moon and the Mets are going to be the only team willing to give it to him. What's the moon? (sighs) I wouldn't be surprised if it's 45 million a year for three years. If it's like a Scherzer, a Scherzer esque contract, because here are some of the names that the Dodgers have coming off the The off the books. Trey Turner, free agent, Justin Turner contract, I think is up. Uh, Clayton Kershaw contracts up. David Price retiring. Um, I think Muncie and Gallo is Muncie. I don't know for sure. Gallo, no, Muncie signed an extension. Gallo yeah. free agency. Um, yeah. So that's that's a lot of money considering Trey Turner is his adjusted yeah. salary is twenty one million. He's going to get a lot. Turner's twenty. Yeah. Trey Turner's going to get a $200 million contract somewhere. I don't know where, but somewhere, someone is going to pay him. Back to the Dodgers? Well, here's the thing, though. It's, it, it, it's, it depends on, on what the Dodgers believe in their organizational depth. They could, I mean, isn't Gavin Lux a natural shortstop or something like that? Or natural second baseman? He's corner, yeah. middle infielder? I don't know. Infielder. He's a natural infielder. Yeah. Chris Taylor can play infield. Um, I don't know. I mean, Mookie Betts can play second base. You know, they kind of have, they kind of have the best possible problem to have, where you have guys who are super, yeah, that's super a versatile. Really good point, Owen, because they never thought about all the guys that are going to come off the books, so they could afford it. Yeah, that's yeah. a really good point. And and if they, particularly if they don't pay Trey Turner because he's going to cost a lot of money, then yeah, yeah, that opens up a spot. Yeah. Why not? So I, you know, I, I so that that's a really great. Now, what about Otani? What's the well? Why? So. It depends how petty Otani is. That's that's my thing because the Dodgers, they they uh, they were interested in Otani, of course, when he first you know signaled his intent. Yeah, he wanted to come play for the Dodgers, but they didn't want him to hit and pitch. They wouldn't let him do that. And then I think they he like had a a trial for them, and I think yeah. t- Justin Turner and and Kershaw like they weren't impressed by him or something like that. So I wonder yes. if he oh, if he remembers what? that. Weren't impressed by then. Something like that. Yeah, I don't I don't remember exactly what it was. Well, it also it also matters. So that's a really good point. Let me see if I can yeah. actually. I want to see if I can find because I worked on this this uh, Shohei Otani hot take uh, like breakdown video I did about how his season was like the greatest of all time. Let me see if I have because it was a screenshot of an article that talked. Of, it had Turner and Kershaw on the front of it. And I'm trying to remember what the what the headline was because it was really funny at the time, and I kind of threw it in there just like a yeah why don't why not why don't we throw this in there? Oh, Let me see. Yeah. Um, oh, I saw the article. Kershaw Turner thinks Shohei wasted the Dodgers' time. Yes, they, yes, that's it what it said. Of, they they said it was because of the agent, not because of. Uh, yeah. Oh, it was well, that the, takes the spice way, out of it. I've met it I, by the way, I've met Nis Blow. Kind of interesting story. You met who? I met Nez Bolello, who's Otani's agent. Oh, okay. We'll have to go in depth on that one day. But but either way, it's banking on Otani being petty and Jacob Degrom asking for Scherzer money. And so. also questions 
well, does Otani want to leave LA? You know. Well, I mean, he he could still live in LA. Yeah, and that's the point. That would make him want to go to the Dodgers if he wants a better team. Yeah, but he- but maybe maybe mm-hmm. a certain mm-hmm. Japanese legend who was just enshrined in the Hall of Fame for this specific team is interested in a trip up to the Northwest and play for that team. I'm not. Mariners. Oh. Mariners. <laughs> what about the Mariners? What if Otani goes to the Mariners? What oh, if Ichiro he- is like, hey, dude, trust me. They'll love you here. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm just I'm just playing. I I, I no. honestly I don't know where he's going to end up, but I'm 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 99 sure that come opening day 2023, Otani will think, not uh, be an angel. You don't think, uh, well, like Ichiro went to the Yankees. You don't think Judge leaves and then and a year later they send Otani? Well, could be. I mean, depends how much he wants to live in New York. So yeah, it's a different lifestyle, as you Less, all know. Oh, last thing, real quick, I'll say on yeah. on. This idea, which I think is fascinating, is, um, you know, Otani, it just comes down to this. Otani has one big contract left. Yeah, you true. Probably going to want, I don't know if he wants if he wants to do like a, a four or five year huge or one ten year. But selfishly, he can do whatever he wants. As a league, we'd, he'd be much better off if he was on a good team. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes, please. he free Otani and please think, free Mike Trout for the love of God. Do you think the Angels would? Okay, would they ever do it? This is maybe fantasy. Do you think the Angels would ever package Trout and Otani together in a, a trade and get like the world's biggest prospect haul ever? Seen? Oh God, if they could get another team, to, if they could take on most of that payroll, I mean, it's mostly Mike Trout. Would you contract. do it, Dodgers? Dodgers, you get Otani and and uh, and you get Trout to replace Bellinger. I mean, you'd have to give up like Bellinger, Bobby Miller, Gavin Lux. You'd have to give up a lot for both of them. Probably ten prospects, literally. Yeah, no, and and like three major league like Bellinger. You'd probably have to package in like I think ten prospects would do Lux, Diego Cartaya. I think would have to be in there. I don't think. I don't think that a rebuilding team would even want major league ready now players. So I think they would. Give him everything you well, got. Well, but you, you still got to put butts in seats, though. Oh, yeah, you're right. You know, you, you that's that's the problem with rebuilding teams, like, especially in a big market like L.A. or, you know, even even Orange County, which is L.A. adjacent. You know, you still got to put butts in seats. And you still got to put a product in the team on the field that you can be kind of proud of, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Totally. But, totally. you know. Much, much to come in baseball, both this coming week and in the next, you know, six yeah. to eight months as we see things pan out with Otani and Judge, all that fun stuff. Um, Willie, do you have any final thoughts for us before we get out of here? Yeah, just uh, last thing I'll say real quick. Yeah, yeah, I'll just say that the the postseason's right around the corner, and I'm Hell looking yeah, to see if we have any major upsets in these three game first round series. So. Mm. Don't sleep on the Padres. That's all I'll say. Yeah, for sure. Even at the expense of my own my own Atlanta Braves. I for some reason the Braves are just so Jekyll and Hyde this year. I don't I don't like it. Fair enough. There's no consistency. Yeah. But maybe I'm spoiled by the run they were on for like, the second was, half of 21. This is the last thing real quick, but ESPN did a great segment and it was our Turner 
uh, Betts and Freeman the best, like having the greatest one, two, three, like season of all time, or like the best three man lineup of all time? Like, which is interesting. And the conclusion that came was at least, I think Buster only, not, it was that not necessarily by name because some other lineups had better, like, all time great players, but like that if you just go on the season, you can make the argument. Yeah, I don't think it's a stretch. I mean, they're all, you know, they're all top tier hitters in baseball and they're all, Mm. you know, they all run well. And Freeman's going to win the batting title. So, yep. Yeah. Just, just such a shame that, you know, his agent didn't let him stay with Atlanta. Just a real shame. Such a <laughs> yep. shame. That's uh, it. All I, all I got. Anyways, folks, two and a half hours late. We, I swear to God, we could do exclusively baseball and it would still be two and a half hours. I mean, even if we didn't talk about the U S men's national team or even, even any didn't yep. mention president's cup, this still would have been two and a half hours. That's just how much we love baseball. But you know, it's that time of year. We'll, we'll give the sports their due when it's, when it's their season, like when college football bowl season here, we'll, we'll talk more about that and less about baseball, but at, at least that's the idea. Um, that's all for today's show, folks. Thanks for listening. This has been episode 52 of Hot Takes Only. Remember, you can get this anywhere you get your podcast, Apple Music, Spotify, really anywhere you get it, as well as the hosting website, anchor.fm slash hot takes only. That's all one word. Be sure to check us out on Twitter as well, at HTO Podcast. I'm going to try to get that back up and running and put out clips every now and again, uh, but we'll see. Our next episode should be next week, but be sure to uh, follow us on social media for all the important stuff, all the fun stuff, all the scheduling and whatnot. We're going on a little bit of hiatus during the postseason. I know it's really bad timing just based on I'm traveling and, and moving. So it's a perfect storm of not having anything, but the postseason should be really exciting. We'll have a full recap for sure. Uh, maybe a world series preview, depending on when we're back online and, and ready to do the damn thing. But you know, it is what it is. So anyways, folks, thanks for listening. He's Willie. I'm Owen. This has been hot takes only episode 52 until next time. We are.